in the nation's capital, a new leader has found a place in the halls of power. But her story began in the halls of high school. We'll move on now to the presidential race with three candidates running. The first is Tracy Flick. One thing that's important to know about me is that I'm an only child. My mom is really devoted to me. She likes to write letters to successful women like Elizabeth Dole and Connie Chung and ask them what advice do they have for me, Tracy, her daughter. And do not often speak with you and ask for things. But now I really must insist that you help me win the election tomorrow because I deserve it and Paul McClure doesn't, as you well know. When I win the presidency, that means you and I are going to be spending a lot of time together. <laughs> Cast your vote for Tracy Flick next week. You won't just be voting for me. You'll be voting for yourself. Who knew how high she would climb in life? I had to stop her. Excuse me! Will you please be quiet? Now. seconds after the hour of 11 in this the month of March, in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, Solid State Radio. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It is uh, Wednesday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for joining us today. If you would uh, like to be part of our program telephonically today, it is 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Two nine seventy with your comments, your questions, clarifications, conventions, or whatever. Uh, Richie de Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane. It is five zero three seven three three two nine seventy, and inexplicably, John McCain is the GOP nominee for president. Well, whatever. The you know what you know what John McCain is. I'm going to work on my John McCain analogies today. Here's the first one I came up with last night. John McCain, at least when we head into the, into the fall election, and this is not going to be an entire day of talking about politics, but really we can't neglect what happened last night, which was just astounding and interesting and staggering on like a thousand different levels. Yes. Boy. The, anyway, we'll get to Hillary and Obama here in a second, but John McCain is the Washington Generals. The Washington Generals were that team that always had to play the, the Harlem Globetrotters, and there was just never a snowball's chance in hell they were going to win. They were basically just there to be the patsy. Um, they were sort of the... Or the red shirt. Like, if you watch Star Trek, the red shirt is always the guy that gets sent down to, uh... He always gets sent down to investigate the killer, acid, tentacle, octopus, death planet. You know, who should we send? Should we send Kirk? I don't know. Should we send Spock? No, no, no. Send Ensign Smith. And Ensign Smith goes down, and then a boulder falls on his head. That's who John McCain is, because uh, coming up in November, he's going to be hosed like nobody's ever been hosed. A hosing the likes of which the Republicans haven't seen in like 20 years. Now, what's interesting is I'm reading a headline right now that says, McCain makes Bush wait at the White House. <laughs> Excellent. Good for him. Fantastic. He's beholden to no one. All right. I do kind of, I mean, I, I like John McCain in a weird way because he just seems so... He just seems so grumpy and unlikable, and you know, and sort of paradoxically, that in, that endears me to him or him to me. I never know how that works. Um, but he's not going to be winning anything. He's going to be winning exactly jack and squat this coming fall. But it'll be fun to watch. So uh, anyway, in wrestling, in professional wrestling, there's a term 
sometimes you will you'll hear a guy referred to as a as a ham and egger, and uh, I don't know where the term I don't know whence it derives. But a ham and egger is basically just the, the guy who doesn't look interesting. He's just a guy in, like, red or blue tights that goes into the ring and gets his ass beaten by the star. So if it's, like, it's Hulk Hogan, you know, and, like, Joey Lipinski, you know. And Joey Lipinski is just some schmuck from Newark. Nobody knows who you will never see again. His sole purpose is to be the guy who goes into the ring and just has his head handed to him. So uh, John McCain is the Joey Lipinski of election 2008. But, I mean, every... You know, it happens. So I guess enjoy your ride. All right. Uh, here's what's coming up on today's program as we uh, begin another excursion into whimsy and amusement. Uh, we will have a Geek Watch uh, coming up later today. Uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com will be joining us <coughs> later on in today's program. Uh, we will play some of uh, Trey Arrow's alleged music, uh, which I think Sarah tracked down yesterday. And it's a lot of uh, Trey Arrow you know, plucking a lute and singing about daisies or something. So we'll have that later on no, today. It's butterflies. Is it butterflies? It's really butterflies. Dancing butterflies. Well, of course. Yes. Why not? Uh, we will be talking uh, a little bit about the Bridgetown Comedy Festival, which is uh, coming up this is this weekend, right? Okay, so we'll be talking about the Bridgetown Comedy Festival. And yes, I, Rick Emerson, will be interviewing children here on... On this radio program. And showing <laughs> cartoons. Is it gonna, Uncle Ricky, Uncle Ricky's fun time hour. <laughs> Giving away Bonomo's Turkish taffy. <laughs> playing the game of the states. Yeah, exactly. Can you uh, turn me up ever so slightly? My voice is kind of... Uh, voice is a little trash today. I don't know why. <sighs> anyway, so yeah, uh, later on today, uh, it's... It's sort of interesting. So Susan Reynolds, as you know, is uh, is a proud mom... And so, Susan has uh, a couple kids, one of whom goes to, uh, to Stoller uh, Middle School. So it's not even high school, it's middle school. And it's one of those things that I have to really work hard at so I don't become just consumed with bitter envy. But, um, but, her, but, but, but one of her kids is enrolled in this. I don't know, it's kind of cool, actually. It's, it's this, uh, I'll talk about it a little bit later on, but it's this sort of school. It's like where they start a mini corporation, like a fake corporation. Which I guess is a thing that other people got to do at school. I never, it was never offered to me. They were just busy sticking me on a bus and shuttling me over to the vocational center with all of the meth heads and teen moms. So maybe they did this at my high school and they just never told me about it because they knew I wasn't bright enough to partake. So, I don't know. It's not, so, so Susan's daughter, who of course is like some off the charts Mensa, just like her mom, uh, is, is taking part in this where she's created, I think they created like a newspaper or something from scratch. Anyway, it, so it'll be, uh, It'll be interesting in at least a few different ways uh, later on at today's program because we're, it, it is part of our it's part of Rick Emerson Show's exciting new pandering to parents segment, during which I am made uniquely uncomfortable by having to interact with small people. So that'll be uh, late. and then Susan will be here to poke fun at my uh, discomfort. All right, uh, so that's coming up. What else? Um, big pile of uh, email over here to my uh, uh, to my right that we will get to. Um, Let's see, we have Lisa Desjardins, who will be joining us from the Hill today to talk about, uh, to recap everything that happened last night. James Roop will join us from Los Angeles with a little bit of a recap on that Anna Nicole story that we had yesterday. And we may or may not, we are attempting to track down uh, our good friend Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer. Uh, it's not like a big state secret, but there's this hideous Patrick Swayze story that came out today, which has the ring of truth to it, and not just because it's in the Enquirer. I mean, he's... I guess he maybe he's in the age range. I don't really know, but it's one of those... Um, he's still pretty young, though. He's Patrick Swayze's Brave Last Days. So it's one of those where I, 
I don't need to start the program off on a morbid note, but apparently they're saying he has like four weeks to live or something, mm-hmm. which is weird. He's and been battling cancer, and I guess he's lost 20 pounds in the past week. And losing, apparently. Uh, so, it, and how sad that the news was, I guess, was broken by, by Perez Hilton. So, that's not how you want to go out. You don't want to have your final struggle revealed by Perez Hilton. Jesus. Just spare me the final indignity of having my uh, last moments on Earth covered by that douche. Anywho, uh, working on the following stories for your edification is the one and only Tim Riley. She's alive. Hillary's back, but Obama still has more delegates. Mike Huckabee throws in the towel. W will give his blessings to McCain, guaranteeing he'll op- occupy the White House. Uh, a grandpa abandoned his grandson at the Vancouver Fred Meyer for a better life before cracking up an SUV. Biologists looking for salamanders in the Oregon woods find 30-year-old stolen credit cards instead. And Amy Whitehouse, or Winehouse puts out a cigarette on her face. Fantastic. Please tell me that there's video of that happening. I'll look for it. I haven't seen the video. I just right. read the story. All right. So this she's apparently uh, extinguished a cigarette on the on her head. I really do love her in a strange way. I don't find her attractive or hot in, in any conceivable fashion, but I do find her pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I do. And strangely adorable. That's the thing about it. Is I've, I've sort of come around on that girl because there was a time when I just found her sort of annoying. But, I mean, having seen her, when I saw her perform at the Grammys, where she was doing that weird, like she was in some nightclub via satellite or whatever, and she was giving a shout-out to her incarcerated boyfriend. I mean, she really did. The moment that sealed it for me being, I don't even know that I'm a big fan, but being sort of a casual fan of Amy Winehouse, was when she won whatever that Grammy was, her best album of the year, or record of the year, whatever the hell it was. She, and the winner, the, the Grammy goes to Amy Winehouse. And then they cut to her, and I mean, she did really look like a very small, uh, she looked like a very small child that had been asked to solve the quadratic equation. She really, it was, she looked uniquely uh, puzzled and flummoxed by the whole thing, and it, it was kind of endearing. So, all right, uh, we'll talk about that. I got the, a bunch of emails here to get to before we uh, begin the show proper. Joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Dylan. Hello, how are you? Hello, hello. You I'm seem more well. bright-eyed and bushy-tailed than you were yesterday. Yeah, yesterday I just was not feeling well, but today I am feeling just fine. Went and saw um, one of my favorite bands last night, although they played all... It was one of those things where I was really excited. We're going to play our new album in its entirety. Totally. And how about just (laughs) only play like two of the songs that made us famous. That's it. (laughs) We're uh, going to omit our hit single, which is... All that is is that is uh, when a band says, and now here's a bunch of crap for a new album. That's like that old Far Side cartoon about what you say to dogs and what they hear. When bands say, here's all of our new crap, what audiences hear is, time to go to the beer garden. I'm now going to leave and get some beverages because no one wants to stick around and hear that. No, and I'm trying to, you know, be supportive, but I'm like, okay, I understand that you're moving in a different direction. That's fine. That you're very excited about, you know, about your new stuff. But it's like, come on, like, play the one album that, you know, that made you all the fans that are sitting here packed in this room. And that happens more and more. It shows the Doug Fur. Yeah. I found it every time. Well, they're I go, too good to play their hits, Sarah. And every time I go, that's like where I saw the Walkman, and they didn't play hits are for the Rat. Hits are for lesser people, Sarah. Yeah. We, now, did they, with all but they of... But ended, they ended strong. They, they ended with a, two of my very favorite songs. That was going to be my question, is now when you when you see a band play all of their new stuff, now, did they did they put all the new stuff together in one big chunk, or did they space it out? 
Um, there was like there was like an they started with an old song, then they played a bunch of new songs, then like one old song, a bunch of new songs, and then walked off. See, the stage. that's exactly the right way to do it from a marketing point of view because it makes you afraid to leave. Yep. Because if they just said, "Look, now we're gonna play our brand new collection, 14 songs back to back in order, starting now." I know, and I couldn't. Everyone leave would leave. leave. I know, I couldn't leave without hearing them play nope. "Night of the Living Dead," and oh. of course they played that very, very last. Of course. That's the a, last song. Some things never change. Of course. But it was, other than that, it was really good. All right. Fantastic. Uh, all right. So, and just, just as a side note, I don't think it's going to impact me uh, the same way it impacted Tim. But I did, in fact, with equal parts trepidation and enthusiasm, I made a dental appointment yesterday. And here's the thing you need to know about me. Uh, it's 2008. The last time I went to the dentist was 19... 19- 95, maybe. <laughs> 96. He'll find about $10,000 worth of work for you. I know. And as I'm... So, well, because, you know, you know how it is, Tim. I just... Uh, you know, in radio, uh, did either A, you know, didn't have a lot of money or didn't have uh, any any insurance or both frequently. Mm-hmm. I mean, frequently for the bulk of my life, both. Right. Um, <laughs> and so... Uh, you know, it's just, what do you do? You just you know, brush your teeth and you trying to and you ho- you brush your teeth and you pray. What do you preserve your teeth with? Well, a mixture of a mixture of Listerine and uh, and and fervent desire. That's uh, that's what I would I would brush my teeth and I would uh, you know and I uh, try not to eat a bunch of crap and whatever, just knowing that if I got a cavity, if I got any sort of dental problem, that there was going to be no way that I could pay to get it taken care of. Because um, any because you don't want to be that guy like we all know in radio who has. $70,000 worth of outstanding medical and dental bills is just because he goes, he goes and gets stuff taken care of that he can't possibly pay, which means that if he ever does make money, it immediately goes to the collection agency. So I never wanted to be that guy. So I just haven't gone to the dentist uh, forever. Now, to the best of my knowledge, there aren't many, many things wrong with my teeth, but I know that that's based solely on the amount of my mouth that I can see looking into the mirror in the morning. I mean, really, that's what it is. It's, I really have a Potemkin mouth at this point. It's my, my mouth, I think, is like that town at the end of Blazing Saddles where it's all, just, it's all just the fronts of buildings. It's all just facades and there's no actual buildings there. Because I'll do this thing where I look into the mirror in the morning as I'm brushing and I'll kind of go... Well, this doesn't look so bad. As as I'm just, and I realize I'm really only seeing the very outside of like eight of my teeth, and the rest are all completely unseen by me. I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what's going on if you put a gun to my head. So I have my uh, have my card yesterday, and I and, and this is how long it's been since I've gone to the dentist. And frankly, this is this is how new it is to me to have insurance. I'm 35 years of age, and I haven't had insurance but for like three years of my life. And so it's still so new to me that I call. Okay, I sound I sound so trashy, but I I pick up the thing and I call the insurance company because that's how you do it for uh, for my other insurance. You call them and they make the appointment. So I call the I call the dental insurance place and I say I need to make a dental appointment. And the woman's so nice. She goes, Well, we're not a dentist's office. We're your insurance company. You should call a dentist. <laughs> and I said, Oh, I'm sorry. How do I do that? And she said, Well, just go to our website. There'll be a list of doctors within the plan. I'm like, All right, thank you. So I go to the website and look at the dentist. First of all, none of them were around. I don't know if they all decide just to go home at 4 o'clock on a Tuesday. Every single dentist gone. I just go one by one by one. I finally call a dentist. Woman answers. And I say, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I need to make a dental appointment. And as I'm, and she asked me, she said, when is the last time you had a dental appointment, sir? And I said, oh, 1995 probably. And she sort of made like a little... 
like a tut-tut under her breath. And as I'm explaining to the woman that I haven't been to the dentist in about 12 years, I'm looking at the back of my insurance card, like my little dental insurance card, and it describes what they cover and what they don't. And it says, you know, we'll, we will cover 100% of maintenance, and then, but everything below that is like, we will cover 45% of. And essentially everything that I will probably have to have done, which is, you know, like the, removing my whole jaw and replacing it with something made out of brass. They're only going to cover So I'm already dreading it with the 65% of whatever huge bill I'm going to get. That's what happens to me. <laughs> it's So my appointment is... Uh, so my appointment is set for next Tuesday. So, so next Tuesday. After the show or before, before after, the program? No, 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 after the program. But here's the thing. Whatever they're going to do to me, they probably won't do on Tuesday afternoon. That's the thing where I just do a checkup. So I'm going to go in on Tuesday because that's what I told her. I said, like, I haven't been to the dentist forever. Um, so now I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad that I've got it scheduled, but now I just have like a whole week to dread what they're going to tell me as I'm sitting there strapped into the chair, drooling into a big plastic spittoon. So I'm sitting, well, I'm sorry, these are, sorry, Mr. Emerson, these, these are all going to have to go. So whatever they decide to do, they will undoubtedly then schedule for two weeks later. So I will have a total of three weeks of dread and doom and trepidation before my mouth is taken care of. So that'll be fun. Let me just... One, there was one really great, satisfying thing about the dentist uh, scheduling yesterday. It was defeating the phone tree. Because I call in and I get that automated... Like, you have reached blah, 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 dentist office. Press 1, you know, if you are a returning customer. Press 2 if you are a new patient. And so my whole thing is I just kept pressing the star key over and over again. And every time it would prompt me for something, I would just press the star key. You know, please enter your dental, you know, your insurance record number now. And I would just press the star key over and over and over again until finally it just said... Please hold while we transfer you to an operator. And I have to tell you, in this life's joys, there are few things that make me feel as warm inside as when I thwart one of those stupid automated uh, answering systems. Because they always want you to punch in all your crap. And they always want you to please put in your social security number. Please now, using your keypad, enter your patient ID number. Please now, press 9 uh, to enter your mother's maiden name. And it, is, it makes me feel so happy inside. It puts a smile on my face for the rest of the day. If by just pressing some random conglomeration of, or occasionally this, do you ever get the phone tree where they, it actually, they're pretending that it's speech recognition software, but you know it's an operator just sitting there listening to you talk. Mm. Like when you call the 411 number, and it says, you know, the directory assistance, for what city, please? First of all, there's no software that can understand what you say. If you say Portland, Oregon, it's not like there's some crazy supercomputer that's hearing you say Portland, Oregon. There is an operator sitting there that just doesn't want to talk to you. And so what they do is they just have that voice, for what city and state? And then when you say Portland, Oregon, there's a woman sitting there listening to you. And you, how do you know? Because as soon as you say Portland, Oregon, immediately she comes on the line. All right, what is the listing, sir? So I never say that. So if I call up and I get the, if I get the automated thing, when I dial information for a number, when the automated voice comes on and says, City and state, please. I always just, I give it the, uh, and I just, I make them, I force them to come on and talk to me. I won't engage. I won't discuss. I in no way will interface with any of those automated systems. Sometimes I'll just scream operator over and over and over. If, what, please, if you are a returning patient, say returning. If you are a new patient, say new. And I will just go operator. Over and over until someone comes I'm on to sorry, speak to we me. I'm did not understand there your is, I'm sorry. I'm so, it appears you are having trouble using the phone. Please call back. 
So, anyway. I just use a string of profanity because I know they're there. Do you really? Uh-huh. That's satisfying, isn't it? No, because I'm just like, I, you can basically almost hear them breathing, and I'll just like, just start saying horribly and it, it, horrific things. And I'm, and I'm sorry if I can't, maybe here's the thing. As I, it, as I said to somebody a while back, for the love of Christ, quit claiming that your menu options have recent, your menu options have not changed. There have been no changes in your menu options. It really, if the whole point of it is just to frustrate me, just say it. If you don't like your customers, just say it. If you're trying to see if you can shove me into a nervous breakdown, just tell me that. But for the, I mean, if, if, if that other thing with it, this call will be monitored for customer, whatever, what are they saying? For, for quality assurance, this call will be recorded. You know that's not true. You know there is no quality assurance being done. Here's the reason they're recording it. When you call up, they are recording you as a sort of passive, uh, it's, it's like a passive way to make sure you don't threaten anybody. That's that's really what it is. It's sort of a passive threat, so that if you, uh, uh, you know, so that, so that you don't get obnoxious or profane with whoever's on the end of the phone. So I'm just saying. Anywho, uh, all right, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, 503-733-2970. Uh, we'll get to um, uh, some of this with uh, Lisa Desjardins uh, here in just a few. But I, I should point out a couple things. A so Hillary Clinton is already talking about a joint ticket, uh, and Obama, who at one point was flatly denying that, is no longer um, Hillary Clinton. And it's so great, too, because she tags everything uh, so wonderfully. She says uh, uh, she was on the uh, uh, she was this morning on the early show on CBS this morning, and she said that it, they may be heading for a joint ticket. And she said, "Well, we'll just have to decide who's on top of the ticket, though." I think the people of Ohio very clearly said it ought to be me, Hillary Clinton, which is great. Uh, and then we have uh, Barack Obama saying something very similar to that, so we'll get to all of that. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I, I think I'll save the rest of my notes, except to say that I went home last night, and I had re remotely programmed my TiVo to start recording all of the election coverage at 5 p.m. So I got home, and I started watching it sort of in real time from the beginning. I, I didn't join it in progress. I went back, and I started watching it at 5 o'clock and then catching up on the TiVo. But there was this moment last night. I don't know if you saw this, Tim, where this was at 7.43, where in all of Texas, where there was like 4 million votes being cast, Hillary and Obama were within 1,500 votes of each other. Yeah. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I, it was crazy. I, I've never seen anything like that. I mean, the last time we saw something like that was Florida. So, uh... Anyway, well, you just you cannot extinguish her. She just she is the she is the light that will never go out. There just there is something. I'm not saying she's made a pact with Satan, but there is really something a little unholy about Hillary Clinton. She just cannot be vanished, uh, vanquished in any way. Just can't happen. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up? Hey, Rick. Uh, so in about three or four weeks, can your uh, fans? I use that word lightly. Can we like uh, fill a gallery and watch you have your dental work done? No, no, but thank you. I, uh, our friend Bridget from upstairs, thank you, our friend Bridget from upstairs just had her LASIK done, and I really pushed for the longest time to let her put that on, uh, let us put that on the website, uh, because, you know, you're sitting in the stationary thing while they laser your eyes open, and so I really was pushing her to, like, uh, you know, to let us telecast uh, the LASIKing of her eyes, and she was not the, she was not down with that, so no, I mean, I don't think that there's going to be anything really wrong with my mouth, but of course, that's what you always think. Like, that's the sort of lie you tell yourself. But what about that throbbing pain that sometimes is in the side of my head? Nah, it's probably just hay fever. And you just completely uh, you delude yourself about it. All right, let us take a break here. We'll come back. Lisa Desjardins and more around the corner. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson.
fun of it. I should listen to that before we comment on it. All right, then. Hi, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program coming up here in uh, just a skosh. We'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, about uh, last night. Let's see. What else do we have here? I have a bunch of uh, I have a bunch of small crap to uh, I have a bunch of small crap to catch up with. Oh, and I think uh, before we it's one of those things where I looked down at all the phone lines started ringing at once. Oh, are no. we on the air? <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> Jesus, that's always uniquely unnerving. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three. Uh, 733-2970. So we'll get to Lisa later on. Uh, Tim Riley coming up at noon for the uh, noon news hour. Later on, Mr. Skin uh, from MrSkin.com. Seeing a radio correspondent, James Roop. Talk a little bit about the uh, Bridgetown Comedy Festival. And I will be interviewing children right here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio. We can do uh, random calls here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio program. Random caller, hello. Hi, it's Jesse McCoop. Hello, what's up, Jesse McCoop? Hey, I just started watching Dexter. Yes. Oh, man. How great and terrible was that show at the same time? Here's the thing. That I, is exactly the the right mix. You're right. I took a night off uh, from watching Dexter just because I was busy with some other crap and I, you know, whatever. And also because I wasn't having serial killing dreams like as such, but I was having a lot of dreams that had... And I was, I was double fisting it, too, because I was watching Dexter and The Wire simultaneously because I've been sort of slowly re-watching this entire season of The Wire in preparation for the series finale. So all the time I wasn't spending watching a serial killing drama, I was spending watching a show about uh, drug dealers in the inner city. Um, and so uh, I would just have all of these really bizarre dreams where there was just like lots of like lots of like re- really freaky looking guys uh, with guns and or knives and then in the background of the dream I would constantly have uh, that Dexter theme song playing. And so it would be all of these really bizarre images. Let me see if I can uh, conjure this up here. Where did my uh, where did my Dexter song go? Um anyway, so it would be all of these these uh, really bizarre dreams within the uh Here we go. Within this playing in the background. And finally, after like a couple days of that, I was just like, F this, I gotta take a day off. So I finally, I, I quit watching Dexter for one day, but then last night, I immediately got pulled back into it. So I did all of this political coverage last night. I did watch like four and a half hours of CNN talking about the primaries. And then I'm like, oh, that's it, I can't resist anymore. And my wife won't even be in the room when I watch, a tech, when I watch Dexter. That's really? the other thing. She doesn't, she's never seen it. She's the very de- definition of contempt prior to investigation. She hasn't seen it, she hasn't watched it. All she knows is that it is a program in which a serial killer is the hero. And, like, that's it. That's all she needs to know to not watch it. Hmm. And it's actually, she actually has heard such bad things about Dexter that now when I tell her, she's like, well, what are you going to do? You know, and she's like, well, I'm going to, because she was answering email last night. And she said, well, I'm going to answer some email. What are you up to? And I said, well, I'm going to go watch Dexter. And she sort of arched an eyebrow and, like, shook her head at me. Um, so, sir, where are you with the uh, with the show? I just got started on um, episode number four. Of season one? Yeah, see, you've got so much horror left to go. (laughs) You don't even know what's in store for you. Oh, but it's so great. And at the same time, just just kind of chewing your fingernails until they're not just going, what's next? Come on. Absolutely. And this that's the reason I watched that entire first season in about a day and a half. Uh, And it was the weekend that I was kind of sick, too, so it worked out well. But I watched all 12 episodes in about 18 hours. Uh, just because it, the show is compulsively watchable, it's it's uh, you know bleakly amusing, but it's dark, but it's suspenseful, but it's kind of funny, but it's whatever. So I am about halfway through season two, 
And I got to tell you this. First of all, I won't spoil anything. But at the beginning of season two, uh, they set up something that is just that is so stressful and suspenseful for you as the viewer. And about halfway through season two, because I just watched episode five last night, there is a moment where I was, to use the cliche, I was literally on the edge of my seat. I was on the edge of my seat. I was like spasmodically clenching my hands back and forth. And at one point last night, something happened on deck, and my wife came in from the office because I literally was in the living room going, come on, it, it, because it was so unbelievably stressful. So I'm glad you're watching it, sir. I'm glad we can all suffer together. Oh, yeah, it was all your idea, too, so I'll know who to, who to hold accountable. Well, I'm glad we can help corrupt, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I was going to go and watch season two yesterday, but um, a, a nice listener, Nicholas, burned gonna, me. He's going to uh, lend that to you. Yes. Legally, of course. It, legally lend it to me. And I got it home, and I'm like, all right, took him up it for a walk, and I'm like, I can, you know, pound out a couple episodes before I go and meet up with my friends, and the just didn't work. Ah, I know. And right. it's just like, I can see them all, and it's like, and next won't episode, open? one, two, three. I couldn't open any of them. I might be able to help you with that. It would play, but it was just a white screen, but it'd, it'd play the entire time. I can probably walk you through that. Yeah. I'll, uh, yeah, we'll... We'll talk. Uh, let me do these quickly, then we'll welcome Lisa Desjardins to the program. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Random caller. How can I help you? Hey, Rick. This is Josh. Yes. What's up? Hey, you were talking about the LASIK surgery video? Yes. I've got I've got mine on DVD. I can drop it by your... Wait. Your so, they, so, so they actually let you film? Because she made it sound like they wouldn't let her... This is Bridget from upstairs, who is our webmistress. She got the LASIK done. And I had told her, I'm like, hey, you got to let us film that so we can put it on the website. Because CBS Corporate is all about increasing traffic to your web properties. And she made it sound like they wouldn't allow any filming of the procedure. Yeah, they, they actually film it through the, the scope while they're doing the uh, surgery. And then ask, they give you the option to get it. Let me ask you this. When you get that LASIK done, which, uh, and again, I, I am not passing judgment on the procedure. I'm simply saying uh, I have opted not to do that. It is uh, it, not a thing that I chose to do. Uh, many people have done it and are happy with it, though. So... That being said, now, are you awake when you get it done, or are you unconscious? Awake with Valium. So you're awake as a laser is shooting into your eye? Yes, it's rather unnerving. Now, but even with the Valium, is it unnerving? Yes. Now, can you, mm -hmm. uh, can you feel anything, or do they give you anesthetic? They must give you anesthetic. They put numbing drops in your eye, so yeah. you kind of don't feel anything there, but you can still feel the pressure, and then when they literally lift the cornea or the outer off of your... Because they, cause they, they, they lift it, it back like a yeah they just like they they lift it back just yeah like the like the like the top of a YoPlay yogurt cup. Yeah, you go into the first room and they shoot. They put these things that stretch your like a torture device, stretch your eyes open, and then they shoot this laser horizontally uh -huh. all the way down, and it like makes little bubbles and literally uh. kind of lifts the skin off, and then they cut it and lift it back, and then do the laser again. So you kind of slowly lose complete vision and looks like you're looking through nothing but white clouds. Well, all right mm. then. Here's a fun fact. You know what they do you know what they use to numb your eye, sir? I don't. That is in fact liquid cocaine that they use to numb the surface of your eye. Oh, excellent. That's why the doctor would put one drop in my eye and one in his mouth. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, my <laughs> thank you, my friend. If yeah, if you get a chance to drop that drop that off, I'd like to see it. Okay. All yeah, right. we're we're actually your phone company, so I swing by every once in a while. Oh, excellent. All right, thank you, my friend. All right. All right I'll see you guys soon. Thank you. Bye -bye. One more, and then we'll talk to Lisa. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How's it going? What's up? Uh, real quick, I, I will start by saying I have not seen The Wire. Yeah. Um, uh, for me, The Shield, probably the best show I've ever seen. I'm wondering just 
how the two compare because I remember seeing some scenes in the shield, you know, specifically with Lamb and Shane where I was watching by myself. I just shut off my TV and for 10 minutes sat by myself trying to digest what I'd seen. And it sounds like the wire and the shield may be kind of along the same line. Sitting there wondering how they compare. Weeping quietly. And I know the Shane and Lem scene you're talking about. Um, I know a lot of guys who, when that whole thing with Shane and Lem happened uh, in this last season of The Wire, really the guys took it uh, really hard. In fact, uh, Sarah's ex, Justin, I had been on his MySpace page at one point, and actually his MySpace, like you can put a little quote there about yourself, and his MySpace quote for a couple weeks was about uh, Curtis Lemansky on The Wire. Uh, Honestly, I thought I was going to be sick. I I sat there and just... Just couldn't even believe what I had just seen, and I was just kind of wondering how they compare. Me. Um, I'll say this: that I think the Wire is a fantastic program. It's um, it's not quite as what's the word I'm looking for? Not quite as sort of uh, as 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 pulpy as the Shield is. In other words, in the Shield, there's a lot of really you know kind of uh, kind of cool action stuff. You know, there's a lot of gunplay, right. a lot of guys getting a beat down. There's a lot of, I don't want to say it's a soap opera, but you know what I mean. There's always some real high drama and intrigue and double dealing going on. The Wire is not uh, not quite like that. The Wire is much more procedural. You get the feeling it's a really accurate depiction of how the police work. But that being said, it takes place, you know, this really skeezy part of Baltimore. And, you know, it's cops dealing in homicide and the drug trade. So it's a real gritty, real downer show. So they're... One is a little more a little more titillating than the other, but I will say that the Shield is a fantastic program. The Wire, though, is in my opinion equally good, a uh, little different, but equally good. Great, thanks, Rick. Thank you, sir. There you go. All right, uh, let us now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Hello there. I never know how to describe something like. Does uh, my processing sound different today, Sarah? I sound a little muffly. That's exactly what I was would say. That's why I was asking to turn my mic up earlier, and it's weird because it's affecting the way I talk. Um, it might I do I sound muffled today for some reason. I'll get the Matt to look at that. Uh, it, 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 that guy called up and he asked about the difference between the Wire and the Shield. And with a show like the Shield, see also Dexter. I never know how to describe those shows without using the word titillating, but it is very. Um, <laughs> It, it, it's the, true. The shield is much pulpier than. I think it's grittier as well. I guess I, I think maybe with the wire. I mean, there's dirt under the fingernails everywhere, but. I think the wire is more about the journey than the destination. You yeah, know what I mean? It's, there are it, a lot more characters and a lot more kind of plots going on in in the wire. That kind of the shield focuses on sort of one central group of guys and what's going on with them. And also the shield, they do I think play up a lot of the more. Uh, and again, my vocabulary is failing me, but a lot of the more, the shield is more sensational. Let's put it that way. Yes, that, uh, that is true. That is true. So, I mean, the shield is all of the things that I think are really, that do happen in the police department, but they're all amped up. They're all done yes. to a factor of 10. Yes. So it's, you know, not just a little police brutality, it's a lot of police brutality. <laughs> it's not a little gunplay. It's, ten, you know, 10 guys in a cert unit kicking in a door every every 10 minutes. Yes. It's. You know, not a little bit of conspiracy. It's massive, complex, behind-the-scenes machinations, whereas The Wire is very uh, very procedural uh, in nature. So, yes. Uh, all right. Uh, how are you? How's life? How are things? How was your, uh, how was your annual review? 
<laughs> it, it, it actually was it was a okay. I did all right. I still have a job. So now is this now if, I, if you don't mind me asking about this because we don't really get these uh, now that we're at CBS, but at our past companies, yeah. uh, we would get these. You know where they would some some guy would come in from out of town once a quarter. Uh, and would just sit you in a room and play your own show at you while staring at you, making beads of sweat appear on your forehead. <laughs> and you are just, see, you know, and when you listen to your own work, your own broadcast in presence of some guy who presumably has sway over your career, it, you become so hypercritical and you hear every fault, flaw, mistake, misstep, and screw up, yeah. real or perceived, that you have ever made in your life. It seems like it, yes. Well, you know, I think it was last year, last year's annual review. I, I was qu quite disappointed in, and I, I, I certainly expressed that. And I said, "Oh, I, I tried so hard, and this is what I got." And and to the degree where, and then that was sort of the emotional side, and then the reporter side was, "This is all rigged because it's all tied to our raises." And I, I really sort of floated that out, like, "This is kind of rigged. If you guys don't want to give us a big raise, you just have to sure. you know, bring down our marks." So, so I think I'm, you know. Hopefully, I actually did do a better job this year, though I'm not convinced. I think I just was a good squeaky wheel last year, and so this year uh, I got a better review. Well, you know, if you need me, if you need me to have somebody handled, I know people. Hey, see, I'm... I will remember that. No, Tyler is delightful. We actually didn't spend much time talking about the review. We talked more about uh, what we want to do the next year, where we were going to go for dinner, those kinds of things. I dig Tyler. He's a good guy. Yes, he's great. All right. Uh, well, before we plunge headlong into last night, uh, I, I do want to ask you about this this thing about the FBI because okay. is this? It, it says the FBI is uh, they're going to uh, bring back 26 unsolved uh, civil rights era cases, and is this is this like that sort of uh, not Mississippi burner, that Ghost of Mississippi type thing where it's you know they'll they'll find some nitwit Klansman that got away with something 30 years ago, and then they have evidence now to go back and stick him in the Hooskow? Potentially, that's that's what they're looking for to see if if those kinds of cases exist. If there is any way to use modern technology and apply it to those cases and look. But they have already rejected some of these cases. They've already started these investigations or restarted them and said, no, we know that we're not going to have enough evidence in this case. We we can't follow this one any further. Right. And and so it, it it's a bit controversial because when they pick one of these cases up. For example, there was a case in South Carolina along these lines, and, you know, the community gets a lot of hope up because they say, yes, this has been unresolved. No one's paid any attention to this for decades. We're glad you're looking at it. But then if they don't have the forensics or they don't feel like they've got the witnesses, any way to pursue it, they drop it, and then the community is left sort of a, a little more frustrated. Well, and there's and there was one of these cases, in fact, I think it was actually just last year, wasn't it? It was from uh, uh, 60, 65, 64 uh, there was a case, uh, and I, I was actually just saying Klansman earlier to be a little flip, but there was actually a successful prosecution of uh, yeah. like this last year where it was uh, some Klansman, uh, you know, that had, uh, you know, that had kidnapped and uh, I think killed some kids, and they, you know, they, it's uh, it's uniquely satisfying really to see the to see guys like this when these cases are brought to bear. Uh, some guy that thinks he skated on something 40 years ago, just to see him yanked back into the spot, the spotlight and persecuted, you know, prosecuted and convicted. That really is, it really does just satisfy you in the deepest place. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, well, let's talk I I about uh, last night a little bit. I, I have a, a, a couple of, I made my own copious notes, and then I have one quote, and then I have a friend of mine's observation. So I'm going to take these in no, no readily, uh, uh, no readily apparent order here. I'm just going to sort of skip ahead. So today, in the space of one morning, we have 
uh, Obama saying, who, who at one point was just ruling out the joint ticket, he is now saying that it's premature. Uh, he says, we're just focused on winning the nomination. That's my focus. I respect Senator Clinton. She has been a tenacious opponent. It is premature to talk about a joint ticket. That almost back-to-back -back with Hillary Clinton on the CBS early show yes. saying uh, that they may wind up as ticket mates. She says, that may be where this is headed, but we'll have to decide who's on top of the ticket. I think right. the people of Ohio said it should be me. Right. So was that... Uh, what's interesting is Obama has said that in the past, though. He has said... I think that would be interesting, but what matters is who's on top. So this is so this is not maybe a tremendous uh, surprise, but it is interesting that in the space of you know in oh, one day. Hillary, I think it is a surprise. I, I I was surprised to hear her in particular say that. Is it? Uh, do you do you think that because she is enough of, of a political realist uh, to know that while things have turned around slightly, that uh, turning the entire barge around is not going to be quite so easy? Yes, and I think that they are again. I thought we were done with them, but we are back to that superdelegate. Yeah. And I think that both campaigns know that the superdelegates are back in play again because now we're in a, a position where as hard, we've talked about this before, as hard as it will be for Hillary Clinton to surpass Barack Obama, which, which will be, which is very hard, almost, almost impossible, not impossible, but almost. It is, all, it is equally difficult for Barack Obama to get the delegates he needs through these upcoming, through the remaining races in states, he needs superdelegates and he needs more of them in order to clinch the nomination. So they know right now that those superdelegates are back in play, and I I would not be surprised. I don't know this for a fact, but it, to me this reads as though Hillary Clinton is trying to win over some superdelegates on the fence by saying, "Hey, give it to me this time. Eight years down the road, we'll let Barack Obama have a have a chance. He'll be vice president for eight years." Then it'll be his turn. I've, you know, I just, I've got so much to say about this, and I really could fill just the next five hours with my blather. But mm -hmm. um, speaking of, of of delegates at the convention, first of all, there does seem to be sort of a belief that if this went to the convention, that she would win a convention fight. You uh, think so? That's interesting. I I saw, it, and I'm not saying that because I pretend to have any real political acumen, but I, I did hear some folks said that I think uh, uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't John King. Who was it that said that uh, last night? Um, somebody who was part of the best political team on television uh, said that last night and immediately like three other people sort of concurred that they believe huh. that just the Clintons sort of know what levers to pull uh, and that in a flat-out convention fight true. and they have many of these sort of Democratic committees are stacked with old-time Clinton uh, you know allies so so they, I think they would have the advantage but I'll tell you the Barack Obama campaign constantly surprises me and they sh it, it shouldn't be this way but they do with how smart they are and that they they're playing at the same level as the Clintons in every in every sort of move. All right, that leads me into this next question, which I've been dying to ask you. I really can I just tell you? Here's what a nerd I am. I really, honestly, had to fight off very strongly the urge to email you last night. Oh, with, with like multi, like I have, have I have the following 75 observations and questions in three <laughs> different sections. I, I really because that's just a road that you can never come back from that. Because then I'm just going to be, you know, that's no, a tap I, I can never. You. I'm serious. That would have been great because I was I, Jason had gone to bed. I was sitting there watching the returns by myself, and so yeah. That's it. Well, that's a tap I can just never turn off once I start blathering. <laughs> but uh, so a couple of things. One, so Hillary uh, obviously made inroads when she decided to do this so-called kitchen sink thing, where she just started hitting Barack with everything, including this, who do you want answering the phone at 3 a.m., scared American? Um, and so it, obviously 
she's going to keep doing that. She found out that she got, uh, they said that the, the of, of voters in Texas who made up their minds within the last three days, mm-hmm. 61% went for Hillary. Right. And the general, uh, con- the consensus is that that means that she gained points by going negative, which means she will continue to do so. However... It seems like Barack can't just sit there and take it, but on the other hand, that guy can't very well go negative at this point because that's going to paint him as just being uh, a- another institutional politician. Right. He's in a tricky spot. What they're hoping, honestly, is they're hoping that the media will start going after Hillary Clinton on his behalf and start looking again. We've talked about this, start bringing up Whitewater, bringing up Travelgate, raising questions about where are all of her personal documents? Why can't we see them? In, and he, he doesn't want to say that on the campaign trail, but his campaign staff behind the scenes are pushing the media and saying, all right, if you're going to ask all these questions about Barack Obama, they're playing the same game she was playing a week ago. They're saying, you're, why are you being so harsh on us? you got to be just as harsh on them. So it, it really is sort of this almost ridiculous carnival game. I don't know if you remember the one where you kind of push the bowling ball and you try to get it into that sweet spot. Yeah. That, end up just rolling back and forth forever. That is exactly what's happening right now, is, is these two campaigns are trying to push the discussion back and forth. Hillary Clinton is, is being very uh, uh, kind of open about it and, and do, using it in her ads. But Barack Obama, who, who really doesn't – this is not natural for him, honestly. His staff is realizing what's going on. And they're kind of trying to fight the fight, as I think internally they're having a real debate over do they go negative? Barack Obama keeps saying again and again, no, 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 we're not going, we're not going negative. But I think some nervous staffers over there are saying, well, you know, she's got some negatives. How do we get that out there? You know, and, and, they're whispering it around to the press. And everybody complains about negative tactics, but everybody uses them because they work. That's the yeah, reason. They, and that's the thing. They didn't work in Iowa. They didn't work in South Carolina. But they did work in Texas and in Ohio. It's, so it's really, it's a very, it's a risky strategy still. Uh, Jesus, so I, I made another but note here. They only work when you're also on comedy shows at the same time. That might be the answer. <laughs> they only work if Stephen Colbert is standing next if to you. Stephen Col- exactly. It, it might, that might actually be true. It's uh, a scary thing. Uh, a couple other notes from last night. I made a note to myself at 743 when there was a 1,500 vote difference uh, in Texas. Um, and I wrote down to myself, it was 49-49. And I just, what a special kind of hell that must be. Uh, if I mean, it was nerve-wracking for me, and I've got no personal stake in this. I'm running for nothing. And so I'm sitting there, and it's 49 all, and they're within 1,500 uh, popular yeah. votes of each other. I cannot imagine what goes on in, like, the heartburn center of you know, Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton, how much stress there must be in your head when you are watching that big pie chart, and it's 49-49 in a state that you both desperately need. It's all very tricky because, honestly, we first get to look at our exit polling results internally around 5 o'clock Eastern time. So two hours before the first polls were closed, we got to look at the exit polling. And when I first looked at the exit polling in Texas, my read right away was that she had it because because of the number of women that seemed to be voting and the way they were voting. Now, I wasn't sure, and you know, CNN is always very careful but the thing is that the candidates have their own exit polling as well. And, and so they have an idea of where it's going. And even when Barack Obama was ahead, as he was early on in Texas, you know, I knew that that wasn't going to last. And I think the campaigns probably knew that, too. But when it's as close as it is, you're right. They, they don't, their polling doesn't tell them for sure. And they are sitting there watching the returns just like everyone else. They have a theory based on their polling, but they just aren't sure. 
So I think New York campaign was shocked last night when she won. I think they both saw that coming, but they weren't sure, especially as it was 49-49. And you, know, you saw that one sort of bizarrely neon green or yellow county that was a dead Yeah, fight. where it was literally it was literally tied. That was unbelievable. Because there was, you know, with, they were like, with 100% of the prisoners, they were tied at 4,000 votes each. 1432 to 1432 yeah. or something like that. Uh, let's see. A couple brief notes, and then we have a question, and we'll wrap this up. Um, okay. Let's see. Um, I noted earlier that John McCain is going to be the Washington Generals of 2008, which is that team that always had to lose to the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> um, because whether it's Hillary, whether it's Barack, doesn't matter. In my assessment, it's McCain is... I do honestly think, and this is just my read on it, that McCain is just, he's like that generic guy that goes into the ring to fight Hulk Hogan every few weeks. Uh, you know, when they just, it's sort of a stopgap match. Uh, he's just going to go out there, and, and they're just, the, the, the GOP is just going to be taken apart this year. I just, I got to believe that. We'll um, I mean, maybe not. Maybe not. But it, there just seems to be so, and I, I, you know how I feel. Democrats, you know, nobody can blow a lead like a Democrat. Well, Democrats love to lose. I will give you that. They love their pain. Right. It's just that I don't know a single person anywhere who says John McCain. Yeah, but I, I have yet to meet the person who is really excited about John McCain. And maybe the fact that he's not Hillary or Barack is enough. But I have yet to meet the person That's who's enthused. Who he to be on. He's sort right. of he's sort of like a room temperature soda in which all the fizz has gone. <laughs> That's kind of my read. Um, finally, uh, this is a very a brief. Somebody has a question. They said, uh, "Can the brilliant Lisa Desjardins please uh, explain the difference between a primary and a caucus?" My brain needs to know. Oh yes, I love that question. A primary is when you actually go to a polling place. Generally, you have an electronic ballot machine. You cast your vote. You leave. A caucus. And that's generally run by the state. The state will have their election officials there. Everybody goes. It's like a, it's a normal vote. That's what most people think of as a normal vote. A caucus just means a meeting. So they take any different forms in different states, but essentially you just run out a high school gym, you put a bunch of campaign posters around the gym, and someone from the local uh, party, like the Democratic Party, will run this meeting and say, all right, everybody gather in your groups by this candidate and that candidate. Often they'll do a lot of local business, like elect their local party chairman or something like that. And and they just kind of meet in groups. And it's more of a discussion as these groups try and win people over from one to the other. So it's like everyone is sort of uh, in, in place looking at each other and in these groups and trying to convince each other to move around. So it's it's more of a meeting to figure out who you want to vote for versus the primary where you just go uh, hit the ballot and, and you're gone. You know, can I just say it is the complete, sincere, and genuine enthusiasm and glee that you get to explain part of the political process to people. That's why folks love you, Lisa, right? I now. love it. I love it. All right. And These then we get to great. look. I, well, I recommend caucuses. They're just hilarious and great. And now we get to look down the road to Pennsylvania, which will be unbelievably brutal. Ooh, so. yeah. And, you know, actually, we've got now Wyoming on Saturday and next week, Mississippi. Mississippi. And really, when's the Nobody last time? Cares. <laughs> I was just going to say, when's the last time anybody cared about Wyoming at all? Yes. For anything. All right. Uh, are you on tomorrow? Yes. Fantastic. We will talk to you then. As always, enjoy your day. All right. You too. Thank you, Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Wonderful. Excellent. It's all well, very no, exciting. You're missing out with you know not watching Lost. I feel like I'm missing out sometimes by not caring about politics. You just got to think of it as a, just think of it as a sporting event. Really. That's that's really how that's really the way to look at it. Just think of it as, uh, just think of it as, uh, you know, like a boxing match or something. That's, that's the way to enjoy it, right? Because really, that's all it is. Okay. So, uh, 
It's all very gripping. Tim Riley, have you news for us? Yes. Excellent. I can't wait. Let's uh, take this break. Come back. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, Mr. Skin, James Roop. Uh, we'll talk about the Bridgetown Comedy Festival and more. You uh, say that. It's Rick Emerson Radio Program. themselves as the outlaws somehow. And I don't see it like that. I see it it's quite opposite. Oh, yeah, you and me both. Yeah. I know. I wonder if it's, it's let's not talk about this, but <laughs> but I wonder if it's like a you and me thing or I would Tim seems to agree too. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about that tomorrow. Yeah. Make a note. Hey, my microphone sounds better. It sounds better. It's the magic of Matt. Yeah, it was like I yeah, had... Hey, you're fickling around down there. You did something. You've done something because it sounds different. It does sound different. Different is good. Have you not really touched... Because it sounds like I have uh, less mid-range or more high-range now. Or maybe my ears have just acclimated. Or have you just turned me up? Have you potted me up or something, sir? No. Did you did you thunk it solemnly with your foot or something? You took the covers off. I don't know. Am I hallucinating, Sarah, or does it sound no, different? You, it sounds you were sounding muffled, and now you do not know. It, so it, clear. I was sounding like this. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, it was. It sounded uh, flat and and with a lot of uh, mid range in it. Hmm. So. Well, whatever you did, you and I just can't, take credit for it. Yeah, seriously, take take credit for it because it sounds better. <laughs> so, I mean, well, look, here's the thing. If it if it happened for no reason, perhaps it fixed itself for no reason. But if I were you, I'd be hopping on that credit train. <laughs> All right? <laughs> All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, pay heed to him. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Washington County residents are concerned that a hitman is sending them emails threatening to kill them. I don't think hit people typically do that. Well, the authorities say you are correct. Hitmen do not send email messages threatening <laughs> to kill them. FYI, I have penciled you in for Friday at 2. So the hitman tells the computer users that he's been hired to kill them. In the past two weeks, Washington County Sheriff's Office has received calls from word residents who received the hitman email. The email from the hitman states that he's been hired to kill them. The author writes that if the victim knows the person who hired him, and if the victim pays the hitman who's sending this email, the contract will not be carried out. Well, what kind of a shiftless hitman is that? There's no follow-through. If someone pays you to kill, you kill. A man's word is his bond. And there's no such thing as an e-hitman. No, well, probably not, no. Did you ever work with a DJ named the Hitman? No, I haven't. I've worked with like five different guys. And it was always like Bob or Scott or Bill, like a one-syllable name, the Hitman, da-da-da-da. Mm. I'm Scott the Hitman, Chester coming at you, 12-15. Yeah. Well, speaking <laughs> of amusing shock talk, it's time to smile a while. We have a little bit here. This is from uh, Good Day New York City, which is on Fox 5 in New York. And the anchorman is uh, getting fed up with this long... Uh, well, actually, the reporter is getting fed up with this long live shot he's doing, so he cuts it short, and then the anchorman gets upset with him. Fantastic. This is, the, uh, oh, this is Fox Television in New York? Mm -hmm. Excellent. Good Day New York. All right. So this interview, this live shot's been going on for quite a while, and obviously, 
the uh, the reporter on the scene has been given the cue to wrap it up. <laughs> well, well, the anchor man doesn't want to wrap it up. So here's what happens. Excellent. Is is meeting there. This then. is the guy being interviewed. Um, as far as working, doing elevator repairs six, seven, eight o'clock at night. I don't see that as being a typical process, nor do I. Is it a typical process? All right, we've got to go now. I want to thank you both. Thank you. All right, it's back to you, Jim. Holly, uh, don't let her go away. This, uh, that, that's, uh, what, does she have a response to that? Is she still there? What's that? Did, did the lady just leave? Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. You should, should have kept uh, that discussion. She's back if you want her. Yes. She heard you. Yes. Uh, what would you like to know? I would like to know a response to what the gentleman said. The gentleman's a very effective spokesperson for the for the company, but uh, obviously the people who live there are not satisfied with his explanation. Right. So what do you want now? <laughs> well, if I have to teach you how to be a reporter, Ali, I'll do that later. Oh, oh that later. come on! I think the lady expressed herself. Damn. And, uh, you're not here. You're there. Would, is there any question you'd like me to ask her? And no, I, I, I'll, I'll give you lessons on how to become a reporter. Later I'll on. give you some lessons on how to be an editor because I was your boss once. Yeah, oh, you were. Oh, no longer. How did that happen? Uh, well, I don't Here's know. Here's Erin Miller. Good morning, Jim. We are live. At <laughs> That's fantastic. But my favorite part is he used to be his boss, but he isn't anymore. Seriously, how did that happen? To teach you how to be a reporter, Ali, I'll do that later. Oh, why don't you do that later, Jim? But I think the lady expressed herself, and uh, you're not here, you're there. Would, is there any question you'd like me to ask her? And no, I, I, I'll, I'll give you lessons on how to become a reporter. Later well, I'll on. give you some lessons on how to be an editor because I was your boss once. Yeah, you were, and are no longer. How did that happen? Uh, well, <laughs> oh man! A lesson to not to get a boot in your ass. Find the stuff. That's gold. That's what I do for a living. That's really oh, wonderful. Man. Oh, fantastic! Excellent. That is so great. The um, so that's from uh, Fox Five in New York. I do regret sometimes that we are not on the television uh, because I find stuff like that, and a lot of times it's stuff that really only works visually. Or you can, it's on my website if you want to take a look. Rather than fantastic. I have you seen the Chuck Storm thing? No, I have not. It doesn't. I hesitate to even uh, show it to you guys because then everybody in the audience is going to be like, no fair, because they can't see it. But what, it is, what is it? It's, okay, but well now I have no choice. Um, so it, it's, it's like 12 seconds long, and then uh, either Tim can post it or I can, ho however we want to do it. It is probably, it's, I mean, it's not as good as that. It's, it's good in a wholly different way. Um, is that on your website, Tim? Yeah, it is. It's on RatherLive. What is the actual station? Uh, that would be, uh, let's see, Fox 5? Yeah. Excellent. Whatever the call letters are. How did that happen that you're not my boss yeah, anymore, huh? I was your boss. Funny man. Yeah, you were and are no longer. How did that happen? Uh, well, I don't you know. Build That's so great. <laughs> All right, you guys have to walk over here and check this out. Okay. Okay, and then I will post this. Uh, this is, I don't even know what station this guy works for, but he's a weatherman named Chuck Storm, of course, and he's doing a walk and talk. Whatever that is where he's walking along and talking about the coverage, and the camera is tracking him as he walks. And uh, so let me, uh, let me go ahead and play this. So the, and then I will post this, because this really is fantastic. Hi, this is Chuck Storm. I'm live at the scene where last night there was a robbery at about 3.30 in the morning. Now, police have... Now, here's what happened. Okay. Now, see, do you see why I wanted to show you guys, but at the same time, I know it's no fair on the people listening right now because they can't see it. So I uh, I will post that at rickemerson.com. Yeah. I'm going to and then and then I will post it at rickemerson.com. Fat boy and I sat and watched it like 50 times in a row. Oh. Hi, this is Chuck Storm. Chuck Storm. Scene where last night there was a robbery at about 3:30 in the morning. A police officer. <laughs> <laughs> How wonderful is that? Oh, 
So uh, I'm going to post that at rickemerson.com as we speak. So uh, it's a good day for news clips, isn't it? It is. Not my editor anymore, are you, Dick? Wonderful. Ah, uh, you know, our industry is both glorious and stupid. Mm. And really, what is what makes it stupid? More so stupid. <laughs> and really, but and the glory and the stupidity are all sort of mixed together. That's fantastic, wonderful. And my mic sounds fantastic. Here's Tim Riley. Well, Charmin has announced today they have officially opened a new West Side Police Precinct on the Max Line. Beaverton and Hillsborough Police Officers and Washington County Deputies will now be on guard at Max Light Rail Stations. This is on the west side only. Those of you still getting murdered on the east side, you're still on your own. Maybe maybe they just figured that that ship has sailed. Maybe there's no saving the people on the east side. There's well, no... those of us on the west side want to be saved. <laughs> they think it's too, it is too late for the people on the east side. All right. Say, remember the, uh, last week the man plunged 50 feet off a cliff into Salmon Creek? Yes. In his minivan? Well, it turns out his pet chihuahua, Paco, <laughs> is responsible after jumping in his lap and on the floor underneath the brake pedal. So, uh, because a Paco was on, on the floor underneath the brake pedal, he couldn't step on the brake, so he stepped on the gas and off the bridge he went. A uh, Paco caused him to smash through the barricades on the Klein Line Bridge, which had been closed since being damaged in the December flood. So, uh, Paco and the man driving the van are Paco okay. and the man. Did you really Paco just say that? <laughs> Excellent. And typically, that's the sort of behavior you'd associate with cats, but what can you do? Paco and the man. People Wonderful. don't take cats in their cars, do they? No, I don't know. You oh, know, my cat will go crazy, I think. I think... I, I don't know. Here's a, a question I wonder sometimes. Uh, I Maybe I've asked this before, maybe I haven't. But if cats don't like water, does that just mean they're filthy all the time? Because they oh, can't no, lick... Cat, cats they, lick themselves. Yeah, but they can't. you can't lick your own back. Weirdest phrase I think of the day. They can. I think they can. I think they're all special. Bendy. They're bendy. Yeah. You believe a cat can lick every part of its, like the whole, the whole surface of the cat. Yes. Okay. Well, fair enough. By the way, I have posted Chuck Storm at uh, RickEmerson.com. So go watch Tim's thing at RileyLive.com. <laughs> Great Fox, the verbal smackdown. And then when you're done, you can watch Chuck Storm at RickEmerson.com. Here's Tim Riley. Well, a travel trailer and a storage. Uh, <laughs> Easy for you to say. A travel trailer at a storage facility caught fire last night, killing a man who had been living oh. there even though he wasn't supposed to. Those who live near the Iron Eagle Trailer Center... The Iron Eagle Trailer Center? Big picture of Luke Gossett on the I side. was just going to say, did, did Jason Gedrick live outside? Trailer Center 1 or 2. You're coming up on Devil's Face. That's where Jimmy Branson bought it. Uh, this is on Sandy Boulevard. They're not surprised that something like this happened. They say people have been living in the trailers at the facility, even though the RVs are supposed to be there just for storage. Uh huh. The fire broke out around 8.15 p.m. Firefighters say they arrived. The trailer was fully engulfed. Only after they, when they put out the fire, did they find the body inside. Oh. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I laugh at things, and then I realize that hundreds have died with whatever the story is. The woman who owns the property said, yes, people live in trailers despite the fact that there's no water, no storage, and no electricity. So well, those are luxuries for some people, Tim. That's for city mm -hmm. folk. Uh, she complained to the city that for the last year or two about the storage being dumped in her yard. She said the city has been there to take pictures of it, but it has not stopped this one for their on. for their collection, for their scrapbooks. <laughs> Where so, was this at? This is at the Iron Eagle Trailer Center. <laughs> Which, but I mean, where? Where is that? Well, I'm, I'm not sure if it's the original <laughs> or the sequel to the Iron Eagle Trailer Center, which is at 21414 Northeast Sandy Boulevard. Oh, wait, so this isn't like out in the boondocks somewhere as such. This is sort of within the, the city. Fairview. Where the police actually would come out and they would see, first of all... So the trailer park lady who owns this, 
said people have been living in the trailers despite the fact that there's no water, no sewage or electricity, and she's complaining that people are dumping poo in her yard. <laughs> now, it's been gone on for quite some time, and they refuse to stop, even though the city already took pictures of it. Like, people feel threatened by this. Well, at least they don't have Nazi flags, Tim. Mm-hmm, that's true. Uh, police checked out the other trailers, but didn't find anyone inside. Jesus. So maybe they're out finding some other restroom facilities. I do like the idea, though, that the cops have come down and have repeatedly taken photos of the feces in her front yard and done nothing, mm-hmm. which which then sort of begs the question, like, where do those pictures go? Is there just like a big community folder that they all look at during slack moments in the work day? Yeah, she continues to allow people to do this. Uh, yes, well, why not? All right. Then they found a man's body burning in a brush fire near I-5. Uh, the man is believed to be 50, 60, maybe 70 years old. He was found dead on an on ramp to Mission Street around 2.20 in the morning. The cause of death is unknown, but they think he may have burned. <laughs> he was on... Wait, hold on. The devil, you say. He was on fire. Yes. And they think <laughs> the cause of death is unknown, even though when they found him, his body was engulfed in flames. Well, they have to do a report on this. <laughs> no! I yeah. mean, maybe several they're... man hours will be spent <laughs> investigating this. But okay. they found the man's body burning in a brush fire. <laughs> the cause of death is unknown. <laughs> okay. You know, uh, the state medical examiner has been called in to determine how the man died. It says it right here. I'm no scientist, but okay. How would you like one of these state jobs? <laughs> I mean, just photographing. What could this be? The state medical examiner will determine how the man died. You get right on that, Quincy. All right. They're unable to determine the man's identity. Why might that be? <laughs> uh, it's a great world. It really is. I love living in Oregon. <laughs> and being so close to Vancouver, too, where these stories come from. A grandfather left his four-year-old grandson at a Fred Meyer before driving off and crashing the sport utility vehicle. Uh, Lex Flannelly told them that he left the boy alone because he couldn't get into his SUV and has back problems that won't allow him to pick the boy up. So he just abandoned him at Fred Meyer, hopefully to find a better life. Stay here in the zucchini aisle. I'm sure somebody will come by. Members of the local uh, Cub Scout troop were selling candy in the lobby. They found the boy and comforted him. Perhaps they even gave him a chocolate bar. Uh, the sheriff deputy report said there was a confrontation between the man and a Fred Meyer employee because the grandson was found in a closed area. As Grandpa left the store, he compared the Cub Scouts to Nazis and claimed he killed plenty of Germans when he was in the Army. I love old people. As he left the store, he compared the boys, the Cub Scouts to the Nazis and claimed he killed plenty of Germans while he was in the Army. According to Chris Shepard, the Cub Scouts leader. They were confused and frightened. So the guy leaves the store, leaves the boy behind. He drives up and crashes into a nearby house. He's hospitalized. <laughs> He has since been released and could be arrested. <laughs> Roaming the streets as we speak. He uh, could be charged with abandonment of a child. I love the fact that he looked at Cub Scouts and somehow Nazis were Nazis. the first thing that came into... Maybe it's because they wear the little kerchief or whatever. Somewhere there's a really embarrassing photo of me in like a little Cub Scout uniform when I was a kid. Oh. Uh, where I have... It's like the blue uniform and then you have the yellow... The stupid yellow... Uh, the scarf or whatever that goes, and then the gold thing on it. God damn, I hated being a Cub Scout. Happiest day of my life is when I was was I was freed from that obligation. All right, attention, all you chicken eaters. Frozen chicken sold at Costco uh, has been voluntarily recalled because it may be contaminated with potentially deadly Listeria germs. Listeria is a microorganism that causes serious or fatal infections in children, the elderly, and those with weakened immune systems. No illness has been reported so far. More than 10,000 pounds of chicken has been recalled from Costco. 
The recall involves a four-pack of 12-ounce packages of Discovery Cuisine, Red Curry Chicken, and Jasmine Rice. The meal has a best-buy date of December 12, 2008. Def Leppard's little-known 1990 medical concept album, Listeria. Uh, biology students looking for salamanders in the woods of Charleston, Oregon, uh, found something very different. Instead of salamanders, they found credit cards stolen in the 1970s. Uh, the pack was a leather tent material, very wet, and obviously had been lying in the dank woods for quite some time, said the sergeant of the Coos County Sheriff's Office. Inside the backpack, the students found a wallet containing an old Oregon driver's license, credit card, social security cards, belonging to a woman named Betty Brame. They notified the sheriff's office, and they ran the driver's license number. They found it. It's uh, currently issued to Betty Euler, who lives in the Empire District of Coos Bay. Deputy went to her home and re returned the items. She told him the car was broken into at the beach and her purse was stolen three decades ago. Really? Yeah. That's like one of those stories you hear about, like, a postcard mailed in 1942 has finally arrived at its destination. There's one of those every week. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. That and, like, a wedding ring or something that was lost, like, you know, after World War One. Yes? Hi, what's up? Well, I just, as a preamble, I'm going to ask... I love preambles. Take as much time as you need. Okay, this is the dying guy. See... And I always no. Hold on, let me stop. I need it. No, 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 no. no, no, no. I have to. I have to. I, have to I know I shouldn't interrupt the dying guy, but here's the thing: you call up sometimes, and then you sort of uh, have a, a very deliberate cadence to your voice, and then I sort of rib you about being more energetic. Come yeah. on, speak. And then you say, no, no, no. This is the dying guy, and then I feel like an ass. Yeah. Well, see, I was trying to avoid you feeling like an ass because I don't want you to feel like an ass. You should just say dying guy here. That should be the first thing out of your mouth. Dying guy here. Well, that, that way I won't make fun of you because then we both feel bad about it. Well, I'm on so much drugs, <laughs> and it's so hard sometimes for me to enunciate and to be articulate. What kind of drugs are you on? Well, um... Like, as far as the pain, like, do they give you morphine? Is that you get, like, a morphine drip? Yeah, I'm on morphine sulfate and uh, OxyContin. Now, is OxyContin, is that the, uh, is that, like, the slow, like, the time-release kind? It's a, yeah, it's the long-acting, and then I get the other morphine sulfates for the breakthrough pain. Uh-huh. Where you know we're talking, you know, all day kicking the balls, pain. All day kicking the balls. Yeah, that's oh. pretty much what it's like. Well, all right then. How, how how can we be of service to you, sir? <clears throat> well, cats. You know, as I've called before, I'm also on blood thinners. Yeah. Yes. And I I live with a Bengal, uh, which is a breed of domestic cat. Not like a lot like the big when animals go whatever. Bengal. No, it's kind yeah. of a cross between. The, between a Bengal tiger and a very large... Does he try to steal your breath? No. Okay, because no, cats actually, will do that sometimes. What he does is he reminds me to take my medication by knocking all the pill bottles off on the floor. <laughs> Have you considered that maybe that's not his motivation? Um, I mean, I'm not trying to ascribe evil intentions to your cat, but come no, on now. No, it's when it's it's when he pulls the plug for the, the uh, air machine <laughs> out of the wall. Okay. Because when I sleep, I wear this mask. And with the Just let me ask you this. Is the cat, by chance, the sole beneficiary in your will? Because I think we may have determined, I think we may have been able to skip to the bottom of the page with that. No, I think he's been traduced by my son, who is the sole beneficiary of, I my, see. of my I, estate. I think we can all put two plus two together there. All right. Thank you, my friend. Call, call us again. There you go. There's, uh, there's that guy, Dave. All right. Here is Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Bar patrons in Utah, which has some of the nation's strictest liquor laws, will soon be able to get 50% tipsier off one cocktail. But be warned, no more what are known as sidecars. 
The amount of liquor allowed in the standard cocktail will increase from one ounce to one point five ounces after the legislature approved the first major changes They're out of in control. the state's liquor laws. That's the standard used by most states and countries. Uh, countries. Uh, Republican Governor John Huntsman says he wants to change so Utah won't appear so strange to the rest of the world. <laughs> I think you've got bigger fish to fry, sir. They will become the only state to ban wine coolers and flavored malt beverages in grocery stores. Instead, they only sold them in liquor stores. Wait, they will? They Let's are see. going to, or they will, will not? Will become the only state to ban wine coolers. They will. And flavored malt beverages. Way to stay in step with the rest of society, Utah. God damn, Utah sucks. I mean, I don't. I mean, look, I'm not even a drinking man, and Utah blows. I mean, because it, anytime you want to go someplace that serves alcohol, you want to go someplace where there's cigarette smoking, you got to pay. You got to become a member, and it's a whole deal. It's a whole huge catastrophe. So, so 60% of the state's residents are Mormon, but 80 to 90% of the le- legislature are mm-hmm. Mormons. So. Oh no, it's a it's a theocracy. No getting around that. Here's the other thing, and I don't know if it's the same here, uh, Sarah. In in Utah, Utah, in Oregon. Will they serve you a second drink before you finish your first one? Like, if you're drinking a martini, do you have to finish it before they'll bring you another one? I don't think so. Well, this is for my friend. <laughs> well, even if I, he just went to the bathroom. Every once in a while, someone will say something. Like, if, I, if I'm if i ordering, like, two drinks at a time, like, one for my friend, they'll be like, oh, I need to check your friend's ID. Okay. But, but I mean, but, but it's not like it's a crime for you to get two drinks at once. Like, if you just said, hey, I want two martinis for me right now, would they, they'd serve that to you, right? I would think so. Yeah, in Utah, not so much. In Utah... You have to give them the glass from the first drink before they will give you the second drink. Uh, it, 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 like they will not. So if you're sitting there and you're drinking Jack and Coke or whatever, and you got half an inch left in the bottom, and you go, "Hey, can I get another one of these?" They'll say, "Well, let me know when that glass is empty." And when the glass is empty, they come and they take the glass. Then and only then will they. And here's the other thing: and they won't bring it to you. You have to go to the bar to get it. Uh, they will not bring you. They will not bring you drinks to your table in Utah. You must go get them from the bartender. Yeah, because here, if you're like halfway done with a drink, they'll be like, "Oh, are you okay? You want another drink?" Oh, and so yeah. they'll bring it to you even when you still. Yeah, have that's the other thing other in drink. Utah is they can't they can't ask you. They can't solicit you in Utah. So if you in Utah, if you, in Utah, if you have half a martini, they can't say, "Hey, do you want another one of those?" You have to finish it and then go up and ask for one. They won't offer. Hmm. You know, sounds like a lovely place. Because they're trying to be more modern. Here's Tim Riley. So even if you say you have a paraplegic friend in a wheelchair, you can't order more than one. What? A man-made flood is unleashed in the Grand Canyon. Twin torrents of water unleashed from a dam cruised through the Grand Canyon today in a flood meant to mimic the natural ones that used to nourish the gorgeous ecosystem by spreading sediment. More than 300,000 gallons of water per second are being released from Lake Powell above the dam of the Arizona-Utah border, enough to fill the Empire State Building in 20 minutes. How do they figure that out? I have no idea, but I want to be... They can fill up the Empire State Building with water. I want to work in the department that figures... I want to work in that department because that's the same department where they say, where they do that whole, if laid to end, end to end, would go to the moon 58 times. And it's always for something, you know, the number of frozen Stouffer's entrees sold every year would reach to Mars and back. I want to know who calculates that and whether that can possibly be true. I don't know. Why would the man, why would it be a paraplegic man in a wheelchair for whom you're getting another drink? Well, he wouldn't want to push his way through the crowd, and the friend could get the drink for him. Ah, no, no, no. Okay, so that's a good point. So you're saying if you were drinking, I didn't, I just, I couldn't figure that out for a second. So you, you're saying in Utah, if you were drinking with someone who was infirm mm-hmm. uh, and was unable to get to the bar. Yes. You know, that's an interesting question. I don't really know the answer to that. Often, that's a part of. I do know that it's uh, that the beer they serve in Utah is weak ass beer too. That it's uh, 
Do people complain? People have complained, but, but of course, people in Utah don't know any better because that's the only place they've ever consumed it. Here is uh, Tim Riley. Uh, Luke Perlman, the man behind the boy pants and sink of the Backstreet Boys, who set to plead guilty to a $300 million fraud scheme. In the plea agreement, the mogul has admitted running scams that defrauded investors and major banks for more than 20 years. Wow, we get away with 20 years. He entered a not guilty plea last year, but is scheduled, he is scheduled to reverse that in court at some point tomorrow. The charges carry a maximum of 25 years in prison and a million-dollar fine. Mr. Perlman is expected to plead guilty on two charges of conspiracy, money laundering, and making false statements. Uh, prosecutors count at least 250 individual victims who lost $200 million, plus 10 financial institutions that lost $100 million. Uh, Mr. Perlman has pledged to help investors prosecute his accomplices. He's also agreed to forfeit four cars, including a 2004 Rolls-Royce Phantom and two bank checks totaling $97,000. He's been in Orlando jail since returning to Florida in July of last year. The Backstreet Boys and NSYNC eventually sued him, claiming he had siphoned large amounts of money from them. The cases were later settled, but the terms were not disclosed. Was there some Backstreet Boys reunion that I blinked and missed? I don't think so. I, I didn't. I, weren't they getting back together? Wasn't that going to happen? They were going to be to do some uh, tour. Well, that was you kids on the block, wasn't it? I don't know. They're all the same thing, aren't they? I, I, they really are. Uh, they all look alike to me, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, did you not? Uh, did you not see that there's a Wilson Phillips reunion? No. Awesome. Think on that. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. So hopefully this isn't true at all. The uh, National Enquirer says Patrick Swayze has five weeks to live. The Enquirer hasn't covered the devastating news that the beloved Hollywood actor and dancer was diagnosed in late January with pancreatic cancer that has spread to his other organs. Uh, for, the, for the past month, uh, Patrick, who is 55, has been traveling to Stanford University's prestigious cancer center in Palo Alto, radical chemotherapy, but his doctors are no longer optimistic that the treatments will be successful. Patrick and his wife, Lisa, both have pilot's licenses. They've been flying their private beachcraft plane into Palo Alto's airport, minutes away from the Stanford Cancer Center, where the actor is receiving outpatient treatment. He received three doses of chemotherapy, and the tumor shrank, but less than his doctors had hoped for, and Patrick was told he uh, should be prepared for more unpleasant things. He's told uh, he can have two more treatments, but the cancer is not responding. So, uh, of course, he was known for 1980s dirty dancing. And then broke into the love story Ghost in the early 90s. He's lost more than 20 pounds, they say, over the past few weeks and has been restricted to a liquid diet because he has trouble keeping down solid food. Cancer sucks. Cancer makes me angry and yeah. terrified. Oh. No, it is the most terrifying thing. It is. No, it, and it does, as Hunter Thompson would say, it fills me with both fear and loathing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy says, Rick, if, I'm sorry, this woman says, uh, Rick, if Patrick Swayze has pancreatic cancer, he is indeed effed. That is the same type of cancer that Michael Landon had. Uh, says, I remember Michael Landon coming up to tonight's show, and a week later he was yep. dead. Remember so that, that is mm-hmm. the, uh, yeah, I do remember that. So, well, that sucks. Uh, so uh, I, left, I left a message for Dorothy. Um, maybe Richie could try calling her again? We'll follow up with her. We're, we're going to follow with Dorothy Carcassari at the National Enquirer because they uh, seem to have kind of the goods on this one way or the other. So it, it does seem like it's uh, like it's likely true. So that sucks. All right. Time for a Florida watch. Here's your... Uh, oh, oh it isn't really a watch, is it? It's just uh, <laughs> It's just I put it there so I could remember to play the theme and beat Sarah, and that didn't really happen. Not so much. I uh, beat you. All right. Yeah. Thanks so much. Uh-huh. Uh, Florida residents are demanding help to get rid of vultures that are ripping shingles <laughs> off rooftops and chewing rubber linings of car doors and windows. <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of state is that? It's a crazy state. <laughs> it's like one big Charles Adams cartoon. That and whole now place. all I think about it is Dexter. 
Oh, totally. Yeah, I, that's I right. I think like serial killers running rampant. Oh, that should be our Florida. That should be our Florida theme. All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tim. Uh, so the city fathers and mothers said little can be done about the hundreds of black and turkey vultures because they're federally protected under the Migratory Bird Treaty Act. City attorney Sean Parker said vultures have additional protection under bird sanctuary ordinances adopted by the city in the 1950s. Officials said scaring off the vultures can be considered a violation and will result in fees up to $500 a day. The city plans to amend the rules, but details have yet to be ironed out. Hanging likenesses of dead vultures or using noises are options. I thought that vultures only existed in, well, not in cartoons, but I mean, because of cartoons, I think that they only exist in the desert. No, turkey vultures are around here, too. I've seen them before. Now, are turkey vultures, those aren't the things that just uh, eat dead things, are they? I would imagine they like dead things. Isn't that the... Uh, easier to digest than live ones. What are the... <laughs> I suppose. No, fair if play. You choice, if you were a turkey vulture. I guess. Um, so, but I mean, are vultures the things that you always see in the cartoons with the guys in the desert and there's the birds circling overhead? No, those are regular vultures. These are turkey vultures. They're a different breed of vulture. But they'll both... Well, presumably they'll both attack and kill you. Because they, when they're ripping the rubber off car doors... Yes. Yeah, that's no good. That's like one step away from pterodactyl. All right, that's yeah, that's no good at all. All right, here's uh, here's Tim Riley. Would you like to know more about turkey vultures? <sighs> not so much. Not as not as much as you might think. Well, they're also known as the turkey buzzard. They're found throughout the Americas. Uh, let's see here. Most of the time, they inhabit subtropical forests, shrublands, pastures, and deserts. The wingspan is Wow, 173 centimeters, or 68 to 72 inches. They're big. They're a large bird. It is dark brown with black plumage, a featherless, purplish red head and neck, and a short, hooked, ivory-colored beak. It is a scavenger. It feeds exclusively on carrion. Is that like carry-out? Well, it finds its meals using its sense of smell. Flies low enough to detect the gases produced by the beginnings uh. of the process of decaying dead uh. animals. So it likes the dead. All right. Well, who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, Dorothy Carcassera apparently gone until the tenth, so we may be screwed. Oh, on no, this. we'll have to. Who else do we know? Didn't we have somebody else that we talked to the first time? Uh, yeah, well, it was the, who was the guy we had the first time? It was actually the it was the editor in chief. It was um that guy whose name escapes me. Well, we'll look into it during the break. All right, five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Take a break here. Back with more from uh, Tim Riley. Uh, Geek Watch coming up later on. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. dot uh, com. James Roop and more. Say, there's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Here's the thing. By having worked in radio for so long, by dint of that, I wouldn't even know how to begin thinking about buying a home. That's the thing. I know that Tim would be happy to tell me, probably. <laughs> but at this point, no, like if you, if, if you told me somehow that my life depended on it, like you, you must buy a home or begin the process of buying a home tomorrow, I would have no idea how to do that. Do you just go to a house and you see the phone number on the front? You just call and go, I'd like to buy this home. Well, you could, and then they, and then there's and, some for sale by owner, and then they look at my, uh, then they look at my credit and laugh credit. at me or whatever. You need enough to put down. All right, have decent credit. All right, yeah. 
Anyway. Then you live happily ever after. <laughs> really? Do I? Yes, you do. That's all it takes, Tim, is owning property? Mm-hmm. Fantastic. It's 503-733-2970. So we've had, uh, I'm just going to touch on this real briefly, and then we'll move on. Apparently, we're going to be talking to somebody from the National Enquirer here in just a, uh, just a skosh. Uh, later on, uh, Jim Roop, Mr. Skin, etc. Uh, so... Uh, I'll probably, I don't know if I'll call him. I might not call him during the show. Maybe I will. Uh, the AE, the guy upstairs that handles this, uh, that spot that just played. What is it? South Sea Connections. The meet lovely Asian, the lovely Asian woman of your dreams. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, South Sea Connections. I should say a couple things. A, uh, so of course, uh, you know, like all of our fine sponsors, uh, we, uh, we appreciate and respect their business. But every time that plays, I get email about it. So we should say, first of all, that is a real commercial. And B, a lot of guys, every time it plays, guys email with questions about it. So, uh, really, honestly, I, I might I might phone upstairs to Carl later and see if uh, whoever that guy, the guy that runs this, the uh, meet meet the woman of your meet the woman of your dreams from the South Seas. I might actually call up later and see if we can grab that guy for a few minutes. Be curious to know more about I would that. be Maybe curious. Maybe we could interview some of these Asian beauties. Hey, that's not a bad idea either. We'll ask, ask him to bring one. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. Hi, what's up? Hey, um, a couple of things. Richie, of course, and... wants to go to the seminar. Yes? Of course he does. Hey, uh, Swayze, you, you said a real nice thing. It was great to hear your, your, uh, your, your feelings for the guy, because my brother just passed away less than a year ago from that stinking disease. The, uh, the pan- pancreas, apparently that's the, uh, not that there's a good kind of cancer, but apparently it's, that's, that's uh, the worst. That's it's a, brutal. Yeah. I was there with them. Not, uh, and I don't want to get into that, but I'm glad. I, I'm sorry to hear about the Swayze's. Yeah, second of all, yeah, it just sucks. Yeah, uh, the uh, uh, turkey vultures. How often have you gone down to the Willamette River since you've been in Oregon? First of all, <laughs> what? Did you really just transition from discussing your brother's death to talking about vultures? Really? That is my life. That is my life story right there. I just wanted to make sure that well, he's gone on with his life. I wanted his brother would want it. Life is you for the are, living. You are, you are on my train, and I'm on your caboose. I, I, I just wanted to acknowledge that so that we all weren't looking at each other going, really? Um, I'm sorry. So, so down by the river where? What, huh? Okay. You were talking as if you were in disbelief about these turkey vultures. Yes. Right? Yes, well, I just... You mustn't have ever been down to the river. You, you tell me you've never been down to the river, and I don't know how long you've lived around here, but uh, uh, there's tons of them. In fact, last a vulture, summer... Here's, here's what it is. A vulture is one of those things. When you say vulture, I picture like the old western where there's like the desert and there's the scorched yak skull sitting in the fort, like the bleached out skull of a cow or something. With and the then there's bird the, hunched over. Exactly, the bird yeah, hunched well, over it and the guy with his canteen like crawling for water. Well, here's the here's the crazy thing. Talk about transition. My buddy and I were out canoeing on the Willamette River last year, and I've seen lots of turkey vultures in all my time since I've been here. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. And uh, we're paddling back along 99 and kind of between Oregon City and West Lynn up there on this little offshoot. Beautiful sunny day. The sun just streaming through the trees. We're in between this. Uh, 99 in an island, and I look up, and there's this dead tree full of vultures. Oh, that's creepy. That's, that's so well, creepy. Well, you know, it, it kind of was. No, no, I, no, it's not kind know, of. That's cannot, completely you creepy. You cannot help but think 
that there's some weird omen going on when you see oh, the no, sign. That's, that's one but of those of things course, that you're walking down, this, walking down the street and vultures trailing behind you on the way home. That's I'd walk uh, very carefully if I were you. I, I, I was looking behind. But there I have a question to put out. The yes. channel that we were in, if anybody's listening and knows the answer, I don't know <clears throat> whether or not it is a, like, water airstrip where those guys, the, the uh, water or the float planes would take off, but there are these buoys. I think they're orange buoys that are just straight dead shot, anchored, you know, in the water. And I'm just wondering if that's a, a runway for the planes where they would take off. And unfortunately, speaking of death, too, uh, uh, you know, the one guy that flew out of there uh, had just crashed his plane and was a seasonal pilot. This, what is, this is the most uplifting call we've had all day. Well, you know, it, <laughs> it, you're, it, you're it a cracks me up because I, I, I almost did not want to wait and think, you know, am I going to be able to remember all the things that I had well, planned to say? But one last thing I, I, is... you got like five seconds. Okay, <laughs> last thing. So, the song that you had played right after I hung up uh, or uh, turned the radio off, it sounded like vultures in the background to me anyway. So all kinds of transition. Nice talk with Maybe you. Maybe this is like touch. a Bruce Willis thing and you're already dead, sir. It sounds to me like all of the indications are there. Are you seeing vultures everywhere? Seriously. Maybe this is like the Twilight Zone thing where you're that passenger trying to get onto a car, but it turns out you were killed on that same spot five years ago. Really, honestly, if you're if you're boating around are in there... Are you a crazy person like me? Do you ever think that? Dozens of vultures following you? <laughs> I'm sorry? Do you ever have that, that thought, you know, when you think about the sixth sense and it's just like, is it is it possible? No. Never mind. I feel crazy. Uh-huh. Here's You're Tim. You're supposed to agree with me. No. I don't. Uh-huh. That never happens to me. Here's Tim Riley. Time for a penis watch. Here's... <laughs> I love this show. Take a look at my enormous penis. Are you sometimes convinced that you're dead? No, I'm not convinced that I'm dead, but I've given it a thought. She's like, what if I didn't know? You'd remember dying, though. Have I ever pretended that I wasn't crazy? You've never had a near-death experience, though, to the best of my knowledge. He had a, you know, you've never been shot or anything. You would, you would presumably know unless you just died in your sleep, I guess. Okay. Here's Tim with yeah, your penis watch. about it too long. An Argentinian actor in Britain is feeling a bit deflated over an advertisement he appeared in for the Royal Opera House, in which he believes a certain part of his anatomy was airbrushed to make it look smaller. Juan Pablo de Posse posed nude for London's Royal Opera House spread in 2001, but seven years later the ad, recently used to promote a new concert, has put him to shame. De Posse says, Those who touched it up airbrushed his penis so much... In one version, that it made it look like he barely had one at all. <laughs> I have to. This article is useless without pictures. What is his name? Uh, let's see. His name is Juan Pablo de Pase. Uh, how do you spell de Pase? D I space P A C E. All right. After the actor hired lawyers and filed a complaint, it also claimed he hadn't been paid for his work. The Opera House agreed to stop using the ad. The posse is set to appear in this year's Hollywood adaptation of the Broadway musical Mamma Mia. Okay, so this is uh, Juan Pablo de Posse. What is the name of the production that he is in which he stars? Let's see here. It is I. Uh, let's see here. I'm looking at photos of him. Uh, this is a Verdi concert. V E R D I. Well, I found a photo of him. 
You're looking really close, so I guess they airbrushed that. <laughs> That's true. My, I'm like an inch away from the monitor. I guess that one's airbrushed. Really, also. I'm leaning in so close. Yeah, he doesn't have a penis. Juan, could you please send us a, a real photograph? So, <laughs> yeah, so they'd be posted. Yeah, there's no penis here. All right. uh, so he has no penis. <laughs> and, and he'll be appearing in Mamma Mia. <laughs> Mamma Mia! What happened to my penis? <laughs> That's your penis left. <laughs> I kill me. There's Take your... a look at my enormous penis. Or not. And my troubles start melting away. I take a look at my... This is exactly the kind of banter we'll have to have when Susan brings her daughter onto the show later today. Uh, we bring those Asian beauties. Let's not get the two confused, by the way. Um, oh, in fact, let me... Uh, do I dare call uh, call the AE on the air about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tim? Yeah, yeah. yeah. See if uh, I think this is Carl's account. CBS Radio Portland. Uh, hi, this is Rick Emerson. Who might I be speaking to? This is Jason Rappaport. Hi, Jason. How you doing today? Good. How are you? You're on the air and stuff, so don't say like the MF word or anything. Okay, got it. All right. Hey, is Carl uh, Magnuson around? I don't know. Do you want me to try and transfer you? To that him? that would be dandy. Okay. Okay. Hold on one second. What's Carl's last name again? Magnuson. Okay. I don't know half the people that work here sometimes. Do you know him? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. Do we have a sports station now? That's a good question. What are we listening to? Sports. What was that, do you suppose? I don't know. Huh. All right. Maybe it's not sounding like you should be. Well, that would be nice. I'm tired of calling salespeople at their desk and having them answer in the first room. Hello, do you want to spend money? <sighs> This is Carl Magnuson with CBS Radio. I'm sorry, I missed your call. Please leave a message, and I will get back to you as soon as I can. Thank you so much. I'll leave a message. Because I have considered establishing an honest, sincere relationship with an Asian lady. Hi, Carl. Uh, It's Rick Emerson. Um, So uh, when you get a chance, uh, I don't know, I'll I'll find you later about the, uh, the uh, the South Sea Connection guy. Because every time the spot plays, people email about it. And so, I don't know, maybe we can get... We were thinking about maybe grabbing that There's guy a for a couple minutes on the air. Yeah, maybe answering some of the some of the frequently asked questions about uh, about his exciting service in Gresham. So, uh, all right. Thank you. Bye. All right. Well, we'll look into it. Well, I guess that's the best we can do. That's really all we can do now is pray, Tim. All right. Well, let's talk about other things. Like uh, John McCain acknowledging last night that he had enough delegates to secure the GOP nomination. Tonight, my friends, we have won enough delegates to claim with confidence, humility, and a great sense of responsibility that I will be the Republican nominee for President of the United States. Let me just say this. Uh, I was not really at the top of my game with Lisa earlier because my microphone that made was a long like speech. A this. That was like a Fidel Castro long speech that he made last, last night. night. Yeah. Oh, man. I made... As I told Lisa, I made like a thousand notes. Uh, I could have, I, I, I really could have just talked for like nine hours about it. But I made a couple notes about about John McCain, who just, I know I say this a lot, but he, we're going to see this more and more as we head to the general election. He just seems so out uh, out of it. I mean, he, he he just seems dazed and confused and and a little unsure of where he is. He's not a, like the Admiral Stockdale and everything, but I mean, he's but he's heading there. Um, so uh, let's see. I, I wrote this down to myself last night. How did this happen? How did John McCain become the nominee? You know what? I can't remember half the people he ran up against. I was thinking like about just a couple months ago. On the screen. Oh, oh boy, but can I tell you this? How how happy we don't have to hear about goddamn Ron Paul anymore. Jesus. <laughs> did he actually quit? 
No, but I mean, that, that would be just like Ron Paul and his nutcase to put to keep running now, wouldn't it? No, 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 it's a write-in campaign. I don't, I don't think he quit. Now, you know, Mike Huckabee got up there and, and quit and quoted a bunch of Bible verses while he was at it with his uh, in front of a weird CGI'd American flag. Um, so, no, you're right. I mean, Ron Paul didn't formally bow out, which so. means we're probably going to get a lot more of his whacked-out supporters calling up. Anyway, um... So I don't know how John McCain became the nominee because no one really is excited about him. No. There's not a single – he is – you know what it is? John McCain is to 08 as John Kerry was to 04, mm -hmm. where you kind of went, well, I guess – all right. I mean, okay, if you say so. Ladies, there's nobody who's really full of vim and nobody's full of pep about John McCain. Uh, let's see. Other note to myself. Uh, did you see this where John McCain said – he said the following two completely unbelievable things. He said – he said we don't he said we don't pine for the past and we don't cling to nostalgia says the man who is pandering to people who do nothing but that and a guy who has to name check Ronald Reagan like every 10 seconds there was also a great moment where Candy Crowley uh, was talking about Terry McAuliffe who's running Hillary's campaign and he said she said Terry McAuliffe is wandering around here high as a kite which is <laughs> which is fantastic I wish I told that yeah John McCain just seemed really old last night so then he's pledging to uh, continue taking the fight to the Al-Qaeda and the Taliban. The next president of the United States must encourage the greater participation and cooperation of our allies in the fight against Al-Qaeda and the Taliban in Afghanistan. <sighs> so all his people are telling him that uh, people want more war. We are succeeding in Iraq, and the option both Senator Obama and Senator Clinton propose would be a recipe for greater chaos, genocide. We'd return to the region, and we would be making a much greater sacrifice. So his people are telling him that the main thing on people's mind is we want more war, and we want to stay in Iraq and Afghanistan. A hundred years, Tim, as long as it takes. Well, that's what and I know Lisa can't really take sides of these things, but this is what I said, that he really is... Whoever runs on the GOP side, and I get it, will be McCain now, uh, is just like going to walk into a propeller. There's yeah. no winning. There's there's really no winning for anybody on and that And he really has no idea what no. the public wants or does not want. No, absolutely not. He says it's reasonable to point out the differences between he and the president. I would understand why some people, especially the opposition, may try to either exploit or point out some of those differences in specific policy. But I am very grateful and appreciative of the support and the commitment of President Bush to this campaign. Now, don't talk to me anymore. All right. Did he ever show up at the White House today or something? Yeah. Or was Bush just standing around, yeah. like, kind of scuffing his shoes on the ground and looking at his watch, do you suppose? So, uh, Mike Huckabee uh, finally quit last night. I believe tonight that one of the things that we will be able to say is not only that we fought the good fight and finished the race, we'd like to have finished it first. Strangling a baby. But we stayed in until the race was over. So then he quotes uh, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote that... I fought the good fight. I've finished the race, and I've kept the faith. All right. <laughs> Enjoy your faith. Go home. So, and then we have uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, who said the president will be a great help to John McCain. I think he'll be a great help to us. He'll help us raise money. He'll be able to talk about issues as a sitting president. Uh, he'll help explain to the world and, and to the electorate uh, the wars that we're in. Don't you, just, don't you know that, that uh, George Bush is just sitting in the W is in the office right now, uh, like a pasty-faced geek on a Friday night, looking at the phone, waiting for it to ring. I'm sure they'll call me up. I'm sure they'll call me so I can go out and, and help them to raise money. And then it's just a long, drawn-out tracking shot of him just staring at the phone, waiting for a call that will never arrive.
So the president and uh, John McCain had a wonderful lunch at the White House, where Bush called McCain a friend and noted McCain's courage, strength of character, and perseverance. And that's exactly what we need in a president. Somebody who can handle the tough decisions. Somebody who won't flinch in the face of danger. We also need somebody with a big heart. Uh, all right. Mm -hmm. uh, meanwhile, Hillary says her campaign shows anything can happen. For everyone here in Ohio oh, wow. and across America who's ever been... Counted out, but refused to be knocked out. I think, get it for the little people. Really, I think, honestly, her voice. That voice. The voice is what's going to shake the opposition to the pieces, you know what I mean? Everyone here oh. in Ohio. And the, uh, the audience, her crowd started doing that stupid, uh, yes, we will chant last night. I think somebody didn't get the memo about how embarrassing that is. That is so. She did, I got to tell you, though, she... she just, she can't be stopped. That's the thing no. about Hillary. She really is the T-1000. There's just no... And I do believe this uh, on KCMD Portland. I do believe, and I have no, um, I was talking to um, Sneedlin about this, that I, I, I don't have any evidence to back this up, but I just got this gut sense that going into Pennsylvania, uh, which is happening on, what, uh, six weeks from now, something like that. Um, in fact, it's not even that, it, when is Pennsylvania? It's not that far out. No. Few, it's, maybe it's less than that. Maybe it's mm -hmm. three weeks. Um, to look at the calendar, all I know is that we're in, like, you know, October. Uh, but that heading towards Pennsylvania, I really think the press is going to turn on that guy. The press is going to start. To, the press is going to take him apart on the way to Pennsylvania, uh, because she's really played that game pretty well. Of like everybody's mean to me and everybody loves Barack, and the press got the press is. I think they're all still embarrassed about how badly they bungled the lead up to the Iraq War. I think the press is really still sort of uh, ashamed of how uh, how they were just lapdogs for Bush, and they don't want to be accused of being anybody's lapdogs ever again. And so she has uh, made them feel uh, as though they have been treating Barack with kid gloves. So I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna start uh, start disassembling that guy. That's just my prediction. Now Barack Obama tells the Today Show uh, Clinton barely made a dent in his delegate count anyway. The bottom line is is that uh, we are in a very strong position. Uh, Senator Clinton barely dented. Uh, the delegate count yesterday. We're going on to Mississippi and Wyoming, where we feel confident that we can do well. And the thing is, she got so much traction in the last few days by going negative on him, by using that, when the phone rings, who would you want to... Uh, that she's just going to keep hammering at him and just taking that going for his knees, and he's not going to be able to respond without looking like another old-school politician that goes negative. So she's done a real neat sort of political jujitsu trick of, of, of sticking him uh, in a, into a really awkward box, where if he does nothing, she's just going to beat him into a pulp. Uh, and if he does something, if he goes negative, he's just going to look like more of the same. So he might be uh, just the tiniest bit screwed right now. So Hillary appears on the CBS television early show this morning. And chuckles at the notion of sharing the ticket with Obama. <laughs> well, that may, uh, you know, be where this is headed, but of course we have to decide who's on the top of the ticket. <laughs> and I think that uh, the people of Ohio very clearly said that it should be me. Listen to that. Listen to that. For everyone here in Ohio and across America. No. <laughs> Wonderful. I really, I really do love her. She's just so hideous. She's so horrid in every way. Uh, all right. Fantastic. Talk to the streets of New York. The people that Hillary serves, they think she still has a great shot of winning her party's nomination. Uh, so look, it's going to be a dog race now. Time to finish. So close. And I guess McCain, again, the president endorsed me today. So, I mean, he's pretty much on his way. It'll be a good battle in November. I'm all for experience. Well, I think she's got the momentum back. I really do. It's all very exciting. All right. Obama says he doesn't believe the media or SNL skit is accurate, as Senator Clinton had a free pass from the news outlets over the past year.
In fact, we have been subject to plenty of scrutiny during the course of this campaign. You know, Senator Clinton, in some ways, has avoided a whole lot of scrutiny on a range of issues. But ultimately, I don't find complaining about the refs all that useful. Well, all right. Voters in the towns of Brattleboro and Marlboro, Vermont, have approved a measure that would instruct police to arrest President Bush and Vice President Cheney. Local media reports the measure would have the pair arrested for, quote, <coughs> crimes against our Constitution. Uh, state lawmakers have passed non-binding resolutions to end the war in Iraq and impeach Bush and Cheney, and several towns have also uh, passed resolutions and impeachment. Roughly uh, 12,000 people live in Brattleboro. Marlboro has close to 1,000 people. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Uh, off the subject, but a serious question. Uh, do blind people dream? I mean, I know they dream, but do they dream in just all black? I don't know if it's the phrase all black that made that funny. Well, um, or sign language. Does their brain approximate things that they think it looks like? That's an interesting question, sir. Hmm. I uh, we must have some blind listeners. Yeah, we must have some blind folk out there. So uh, that's a good question, actually. Do blind people dream? And if so, do they dream amorphous shapes or images or their own best guess as to what things look like? That's an interesting question. I'll tell you what, that, that is a, now, can I ask why this just occurred to you? Uh, I, was, I was listening to the wrap-up show of you yesterday. Yeah. And they were talking uh, the Nash Trash list, and uh, one of the singers was blind. Terry Gibbs. Yes. And I just thought of it. All right. Like, hmm. uh, and by the way, I think that Sneedon's, his backup list was going to be, that was his top five, but I think he almost did the top five singers, top five blind singers uh, who are not Ray Charles or... Uh, or uh, Ronnie Millsap. Uh, all right. Uh, I'll tell you what. We'll, uh, we'll throw that out there. Somebody will undoubtedly know the answer. Thank you, Tim uh, Riley's God. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. By the way, uh, this woman says, uh, have you noticed that Hillary sounds just like Mrs. Krabappel on The Simpsons? That's who I'm trying to, I'm trying to find the audio That's right now. That's really interesting. Compare. I never really thought about that. That really is true. All right. Fantastic. Here's Tim Riley. So for American Idol last night, uh, one, missing, one thing missing was any mention of David Hernandez's scandal. Media reports have surfaced claiming the Arizona resident uh, once worked as a male stripper at a Phoenix gay club. Stripper. Uh, meanwhile, Luke Minard performs Wham! Wake Me Up Before You Go Go, which earned him less than stellar reviews. Wake me up before you go go, yeah. Well, that's just stupid. Yeah, Simon gives a thumbs down to that. I'll make this very quick. I didn't like it. I thought it was weak, a bit girly. And, <laughs> and I've got to tell you, there is, there is no chance you're going to make it through, I don't even think, to the final 12. Which, you, you, which, you can't win. <laughs> okay, see, that's great. Come on. I really, how can hey, you not you enjoy that? If you choose to participate in a show like American Idol, you have to be able to take that. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. yeah. All right. Wonderful. Stupendous. Hi, uh, Haley Newberg. Hi, you're on the... That was an accident. Yeah, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. That was a great question about the dream. It's got me completely thinking about that now. See, now, it, now it's just sort of all my processor power in my head is going towards it, trying to figure <laughs> out the answer. You know, uh, the, uh, the soundbite you're running of Hillary sounds uh, eerily similar to if you were to slow down uh, Connie Chung on the elongated thank you. Uh, from her last show, I believe that you'll find if you speed, if you sped up Hillary, it sounded a lot like uh, Connie Wait, Chung. Hold on, when you say, what do you mean if you sp if you slowed Connie Chung down? Well, remember, remember when you would play the soundbite of Connie Chung going, you know, with the elongated. Hold on, is this the that? Precisely.
precisely. So you mean if it was a lower pitch? Yes, yeah, so I'm sorry. Yeah, not so bad, but it was a lower pitch. Yeah, it's a timber, timber in her voice. Yeah. Hold on. So, Tim, play a little bit of... For everyone here in Ohio and across America right. who's ever been... I wonder if we played that. I wonder how long we could get away with just playing a loop of those things before everyone had turned off the radio. I wonder, I wonder if we could do it for four minutes. Uh, all right, Why don't you know we what? do that in the 9 o'clock hour every morning? Just to, reason, that every day. Just to mix it up a little bit. The reason I phoned quickly is that the gentleman who called about uh, seeing a, a number of monkeys from the Wizard of Oz in the haunted tree along the river... Um, the red buoys that you will see, I think he was talking about the buoys that are right off of the Kellogg Creek uh, boat ramp there in Milwaukee. It actually, it can provide you hours and hours of endless fun in the summer if you want to see people just be idiots. Those buoys, there's three of them, large, three large red buoys, they actually mark off a section that's about half of the river wide. That It's only a few feet deep. And in the summer, when the water drops, uh, literally, you can walk out almost to the middle of the river and just ankle or knee-deep water. And those buoys are there to mark that you're not to not to go behind those buoys or you'll suffer horrific boat damage. But a lot of people don't know on which side of buoys you're supposed to go. Fantastic. So the general, good general rule of thumb is red, right, returning. If you are returning from the ocean and or going upriver, you keep the red buoys on your right. But of course, there's any number of people who either don't know or disregard that, That's and, right. and then they destroy. Then they destroy they their waterfront. The people who have those waterfront homes along there, they will tell you if you can go just just go off that area, and there's a, a, a nice large island there, Elk Rock Island. Just drop anchor and uh, and take a lunch and sit there and watch people cut behind the buoys and rip the outdrives off their boat because it happens about three Wonderful. or four times. That's every a whole. Single, yeah, it's, it's That's it's a weekend enormous. right there. Yeah, yeah. So best of best Excellent. best wishes for a good show, and I'm gonna go uh, curse Aunt Jemima. Uh, okay, thanks. Bye. Uh, speaking of Aunt Jemima, uh, Quaker Oats is recalling a limited number of her pancake and waffle mix because of potential salmonella contamination from raw undercooked ingredients. Let's back up. Is Quaker Oats isn't uh, that's not an Aunt Jemima thing though, is it? Quaker Oats owns Aunt Jemima. Wait, do they still use I mean, Aunt Jemima? Was purchased. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> let's make this clear. Wow, <laughs> I hadn't really, <laughs> I hadn't really, I hadn't really considered, uh, I hadn't really considered that read on the sentence, Tim. Uh -huh. Well, we should note first and foremost. <laughs> uh, let's play out of context theater for a thousand. Well, she's not a real person, first of all. No, she isn't. <laughs> she is, um, Aunt Jemima is not unlike, I always forget which one is real. Aunt Jemima, Betty Crocker, Lil Debbie, but Lil Debbie is real. Duncan Hines was a real person. Wait, I always thought Duncan Hines was a, uh, he was a food critic in the 1930s. Oh, see, I thought it was two names, like a oh, uh, Procter & Gamble. No. So Duncan Hines is one man. He's been dead and unknown for years, and they still use the name. Interesting. All right. Anywho, so the Aunt Jemima company or brand, uh -huh. what is, I don't even remember what, what she pushes. What pancakes. Is, pancake, is it a mix? Like yes, a Bisquick a thing? Mix, yes. Okay. Aunt Jemima pancake mix and waffle mix. <laughs> Go ahead. So Aunt Jemima's two-pound and five-pound boxes are being recalled. No illnesses are reported from Aunt Jemima. Uh, consumers with the recall products can turn them into the place where they purchase for a full refund. And that's the end of the story. <laughs> good, good, 
story. Good story, Tim. <laughs> uh, it's not her fault. No. Uh, has she had a, some sort of a corporate revamp? Does she look more modern? Well, she has to. She has to look more modern. Well, she she's lighter than she used to be. Uh, well, they have lighter complexion, and they have, but they have also. Uh, does she? Is she and she's wearing pancake makeup. Does she look like a? Does she look like a business woman now? No, that's Uncle Ben. Remember they gave up? They made Uncle Ben. He's like the CEO yeah. now, and he's not Uncle Ben anymore. He's just Ben. Mm. It's Ben's And the brawny man isn't as brawny anymore, right? No, you know, but he looks just as gay though. If you look mm. at the bra, look at the brawny man. He really honestly looks like he ought to be um like he ought to be delivering some surprise stripogram and like one of your friends' birthday parties. You know what I mean? At, at least here's why because uh, my wife and I have that that bitchin uh, automated towel dispenser. If we have a motion activated paper this is what we spend our money on. A motion activated paper towel dispenser and we had to buy uh they have to be 11 by 11 paper towels. They have to be the right measurement. So I went to the store to buy a test roll. And I like, and I thought, I'll take Brawny, please. And they've changed it. He no longer looks like a lumberjack. This guy? Yeah, that's him. How? how he kind of looks is... like Arnold Schwarzenegger now. I mean, I know that I write blogs about Britney Spears and stuff, but how sad is it that I found this on a blog? Like, ooh, look at the new Brawny man. He's cute. Well, the Brawny. wrote a whole blog about it. Is it a woman who wrote that? I think so. Okay, because the Brawny man is, you know, he's part of American pop culture. The Brawny, he's like the Marlboro man. Uh, the Brawny man, for a long time, though, had this. It has to be. It has to be said. The brawny man for some time looked like porn star John Holmes, huge, big, blonde, molestache, uh, and then like from the seventies. Yeah, totally. Very creepy grin. Yeah. That's him. That's totally the old school brawny I'm guy. I'm still making that our my. How much does he look like an old seventies porn star? He does. He does very much so. So now he's a lot more clean cut, uh, but he does look like uh, the, the new brawny guy. You know what he looks like? He looks like a masculine but unthreatening boyfriend. He doesn't even look very masculine. He just looks beefy. Yeah, that's that's going to be beefy. So there's the brawny guy, and then uh, whatever. So, all right. There you go. Here's Tim Riley. How did that happen? We, we started talking about uh, You were Aunt talking Jemima. about Aunt Jemima. And then we ended up with the brawny guy? Yes. We were talking about corporate icons, and we were talking about Ben's Rice. Do you know, can I just tell you this? I, I don't know if it's Safeway or whatever the supermarket chain is where, um, when, uh, where Lowe lives in Las Vegas. But you know when you go in and they do the, you know, do you have your Safeway club card? You know, and no one uses their real name for that, right? Mm -hmm. Sarah, what's your name at the Safeway Club card? I don't have one, actually. I, know, I met the guy at Safeway, and he gave me just a free nameless card. Really? Tim, do you, you use a fake name on your Safeway Club card? I don't have one. Really? Is that, am I the only one? It, you know, I, I went to a Rouse in Malibu when I was in California, and I didn't have the Rouse card. And you need that to start your order. Right. So a Malibu resident I didn't know lended me hers. Oh, okay. So now, but when you go, when you do supermarket shopping now, you don't go to a place where you need like a club card. No, because like Trader Joe's doesn't require that. They do not. But sometimes for just staples, uh, I'll go to Safeway, uh, and uh, where I am, uh, where I am known as Jerry Garcia, and uh, but Lowe's name when he goes to I I think it might be Ralph's in Las Vegas. His name is Uncle Ben. So that, and of course, and so they'll scan it through. And of course, because they're just idiots behind the counter, they know, you know, they don't care. And so they'll scan Lowe's card through, and they're like, "All right, thank you, Mr. Ben." Oh boy. First name Uncle, last name Ben. Here, here's, here's Tim Riley. Hi, that's crazy. Ah, uh, amusement. I suppose it is. Well, Donny Osmond's been busy promoting the upcoming film College Road Trip. The film centers around Raven Simone's character, Melanie, who's looking forward to checking out universities with her girlfriend. She's so obnoxious. Until her father, played by Martin Lawrence, insists on accompanying the girls. 
Osmond's role, the dad of one of Melanie's friends, gave him and Lawrence some shared screen time. Osmond notes that the two men had instant chemistry. Martin comes on the set. And we just start, <laughs> we look at each other and start making stuff up. I'd jump on his line and say, oh, I'm sorry. He says, no, keep going, keep going. And uh, so the relationship. They had instant chemistry. Jump on my lap and keep going. I'm loving it. Can we play that whole thing again? Sure. They had instant chemistry. This is who? and who? Donny Osmond? Uh, Donny Osmond and uh, Martin Lawrence had instant chemistry oh, wow. in this movie. Martin comes on the set. And we just start, <laughs> we look at each other and start making stuff up. I'd jump on his line and say, oh, I'm sorry. He says, no, keep oh, going, keep line. going. And uh, so the relationship that I've, I've got with Martin in this thing, you know, is, is sexy. Is really cool. I'm loving it. Okay. Well, all right. There you go. Well, we're a, we're a tolerant people. I don't care. We are. Whatever one chooses to do. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, I had this... Uh, <laughs> Well, a British businessman is employing some old-time weaponry, chicken droppings, and a projectile to fight criminals. A report says Joe Western Webb loads up a 30-foot catapult with chicken poop and primes a cannon with railroad ties each night in a desperate attempt to protect his portable flooring business. He once used the weapons when he was a traveling showman and said the unusual security measures are a way of showing, quote, everything in this country is stacked against decent law-abiding citizens. Webb refuses to heed police warnings that he'll be prosecuted if he uses the weapons. He's even set up a website encouraging others to protect their property with the hundreds of people supporting his cause. By the way, I'd like to thank you for giving me this. this is, is it, where is this from? Is this from Whole Foods? Whole Foods. New Seasons. New Seasons. Calif we were talking about this yesterday. California strawberries. Full pints of sweet new crop of California strawberries from Oxnard. You bet. And now you're strawberry capital. Now, were you living in Oxnard? No. You were just you just went is, there for fun. That is south of Santa Barbara. Oh, I see. So you the, just the went Santa there. Santa Barbara, Ventura, Oxnard, that whole area. So you went there only. Uh, you just went there to introduce the Oak Ridge Boys. Yes. At the Oxnard Strawberry Festival. Yes. Fantastic. Uh, All right. Excellent. America is uh, getting hit by eye crime. The Urban Institute theorizes the rise in violent crime and the explosion of the iPod are more than coincidental. I-Crime says uh, the crime has seen a steady decline in the past several years, but with the introduction of the iPod a couple of years ago, crime has increased. Crime goes up, goes back up again in 2006. It's just robbery. It's just what people refer to as muggings. And it's just at the same time that the iPod has introduced uh, widespread into the consumer market. I don't understand. So They claim iPods are making a different kind of crime wave. They say that unlike expensive shoes, iPods are being used in large numbers and one size fits all. Uh, pedestrians are wearing these and being uh, distracted by the music players at the same time violent crime is increasing. Okay. So, so if people weren't listening to the iPods, it wouldn't be as much crime. I see. You know, uh, you know what would solve that, Tim, is if people would go back to music radio. Crime would go down. Really. That's really the answer here. It's iPod fatigue. It is. If you don't have it, develop it now. Do your part. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. How's it going? What's up? Okay, I if, I think if I heard correctly what Donnie was saying, Donnie often was saying that he jumped on uh, Martin Lawrence's line. Yeah, I heard lap, which is more interesting. Oh, I'm sorry, then I take it all back. Fifth so ever. Oh, okay, thank you. Hi, uh, okay, here's Tim Riley. A Canadian and U.S. Senate candidate, oh, I'm sorry, he's a comedian, uh, Al Franken, faces a $25,000 penalty for not carrying workers' comp insurance for some of his employees. 
The money is owed to the New York State Workers' Compensation Board to cover employees in Franken's Corporation from 2002 to 2005. The Workers' Compensation Board claims the employees were classified as independent artists, writers, and performers. And under the classification, Franklin's and corporations are required to cover them with workman's comp. Uh, Franklin's spokesman says it's possible the matter may be a misunderstanding. Just hearing that guy's name makes me want to stab out my eyes with a pen. Mm -hmm. How could somebody with so little talent last so long? I don't know. The key is, I think, just to speak really slowly and um, occasionally uh, sprinkle in something from one of your books that's been largely ghostwritten by others. <clears throat> and then uh, and then to, to have people call you, I don't know, uh, rye, I guess. Is here, it rye bread? Here on Air America. I guess that's uh, how we want to do it. It's, I mean, it's, it really is like it's like listening, it's like listening to moss grow on a tree. I mean, it's un, it was unbelievable how bad that show was. I just was. don't find that kind of speaking, like that way of speaking, interesting either. I heard a woman on, I don't know, one of the other stations, one of like the on another talking, network, and well. Now, where was stuff. it? Do you know where it was? It, was, it was it like, someone who... I think it was like NPR or was it just, Oh, well, no, NPR's made a whole... Yeah, they made a whole thing out about it. But she was talking... It was so frustrating. Like, people, someone was just saying they were listening to it. I'm like, she's talking so slow. And welcome to the Splendid Table. Today, salt. Some people consider it a spice. Some people consider it an ingredient. But today, we're simply going to consider... And, oh, that because they all sound. Here's the other thing: they all have that one style of speaking on NPR, where they it's like long pauses, and it also it's always when they're coming out of a piece of classical music, Brahms Fifth Concerto, Vladimir Horowitz, the conductor on that piece, <laughs> totally live in Boston. We'd like to thank people who support NPR. Listeners like and you just and you're wondering you're like kind of but shaking you know, your head. The, the only person who doesn't sound like that, I hear Chuck Knopp on weekends, and he still sounds like Chuck Knopp on NPR. They didn't, they didn't try to NPR him. He's on the local NPR station. Does he constantly doing Chuck Knopp is still on the on the air? Yeah, I heard him on weekends. Does does he stand up constantly and and ask one follow up question as the meeting is winding down? I don't know. <laughs> Chuck Knopp was the uh, news guy at uh, at KDVJJ when we were there. No, he's a great. No, I love Chuck. I really do. But he's, he's you know spooky. he's like a him. newsman at heart. You know, has always been out there looking for the big scoop. And you could tell Chuck was a newsman because we would we would have these meetings where the general manager, uh, when we were at Fisher, the general manager would call these meetings. And you know how it is. Sometimes the meeting is important, but usually it's just, you know, a bunch of crap, and it's just taking time out of your day. And so the whole, what you know, this probably happens wherever you work. You go in there, and the whole goal is just no one ask anything, keep your mouth shut, the meeting will be done in 10 minutes, and you can go get a bagel. And so Ron Carter, <clears throat> who was our general manager at the time, would stand up there and say, well, team, I'm glad you're here. Uh, we just like to, uh, you know, talk about some things coming up in uh, third quarter, 05, you know, and you're just looking at your watch going, God, i got show prep to do. I want to get some orange juice. And the meeting would wrap up, and Ron Carter, so if there are no questions, uh, we'll just, Chuck would immediately say, no, 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 Ron, I have a question in four parts. And I mean, it would just go on endlessly. So I do. And it's right that. when you have to use the restroom right now. Uh, totally. Right now. That's a great question, Chuck. Let me take 14 minutes to answer it. Uh, hello. Hi, Rick Emerson. Show who might this be? Uh, this is Dennis. Are you, let me ask you this. Are you on your way to uh, sell something or on your way from selling something, Dennis? 
I am actually on my way uh, from selling something. Excellent. Fantastic. Um, well, I thought I'd bring up something that might help twist uh, the blind dreaming thing, but it came to the top of my mind because I'm sitting here trying to think through this. But wouldn't there be a different answer for people that have either become blind because then they would have the memories of things that they remember, or someone who was born blind, then they wouldn't born have any... blind. Uh, I think, yeah, the, the, the thing we'd be curious about is somebody who was sightless from birth. Okay. Because then you're like, because it's like you have no clay with which to sculpt your visions. It's like I don't even know where. It must just then be that you would uh, just, I don't know, the, the way you visualize stuff to be, but I don't even know how you would visualize something if you had never, you know, seen something. It's very mystifying. But blind people usually can remember someone's face by touching it. That's how they recognize people, or at least I, that's, that's... Is this a thing you saw in a movie? Is that no, how, is, no, no. Rick, I, I hear your senses blind. come alive when you're blind. Well, that's, yeah, that was a lifetime movie. I was going to say, let's be, let's just, let's, let's put our cards on the table. Is this everything you're saying now? Did you learn it from watching Daredevil? Somebody watched Jennifer 8 last night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excellent. That's, you went the other way. Well done. God damn it, my secret is out. Uh, um, uh, no, anyway, I just thought that was curious as part of the discussion. Uh, ask Matt with a sticky answer, I'm a bottle. Okay. Here's Ew. Tim Riley. <laughs> Visualize that, Tim. Mm -hmm. So here's something else for kids to be afraid of, since we're talking about children today. Children are now being dissuaded from eating snow. Parents who warn their children not to eat the dirty snow, especially the yellow variety, are left wondering whether to stop them from tasting new fallen snow also. Well, apparently this new fallen snow also has bacteria that can cause diseases in beans and tomato plants. But experts say there's no need to banish snow eating along with dodgeball, or riding a bike for that matter. There's bacteria everywhere, say uh, baby doctors. Basically, none of the food we eat is sterile. We eat bacteria all the time. Uh, children practically bathe in bacteria when they go to the playground. <laughs> they don't get anything from snow that can hurt them. Others disagree. Okay. Uh, tiny kids on a formula a lot of times don't have the acid in their stomachs. This is all about telling kids not to eat snow. <laughs> Somebody was sent out to do this story today. And snow is just water, right? Some parents say they're not going to worry about their kids eating snow that looks clean. My snow eating concerns are generally more of the dirt urine variety, says one mother, <laughs> whose two-year-old son Charlie swallowed his share of snow. Really, my concerns, even now as an adult, are all of the dirt urine variety. <laughs> the story snow I've ever heard. <laughs> But as long as kids eat snow and it's falling, I think it's okay. You I know tell them not to eat it when it's not on the ground, says Charlie's mother. You know <laughs> you know what you sound like? You sound like the Pepperidge Farm guy just now. But as long as snow continues to fall, I'll continue to eat it. Dirt and urine be damned. Or Robert Fulgham, the all-I-need-to-know-I-learned-in-kindergarten guy. Uh, I, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Please don't be calling about urine. Um, no. <laughs> okay, what, how can I help you? Uh, hey, I just wanted to say, uh, as much fun as it is to always poke fun at the um, PSAs that are running on your wonderful station. And it is. Uh, the other day, I was listening to uh, uh, I was listening to Tom Likas. Yes. And uh, it goes, you know, he's he's doing his usual rant. Women are human urinals and and whatever. <laughs> you said now. I think I specifically said no urine at the beginning of this call. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. So you've already um, colored outside the lines. And then you heard what, sir? I heard I heard I heard a uh, PSA about how women are are you know our nation's greatest treasure and how we need to encourage girls to grow up and become strong scientists that will tell us to not eat snow and you know stuff like that. Yes, sir. <laughs> and I was just wondering, <clears throat> uh, where where in the meeting did they say you know, well uh, 
we're going to run this. This PSA. needs to run during the Tom Likas show. Yeah. Um, no, that is. A, I, I believe there is just what they call a rotator, which is like a. It's one big uh, file in the computer that just rotates all of the PSAs evenly. So that is just luck of the draw. But it is an interesting uh, juxta- juxtaposition, is it not? That's banner ads are like that too. Sometimes. Uh, Dig.com has a whole, there's a whole thing there where people are constantly posting banner ads that have shown up next to something where it's all, like, really awkward. Um, like there was, I think at one point there was a story on, a story on Dig about, like, you know, it was one of those things where, like, a woman had been attacked and killed by a bunch of dogs, uh, like a bunch of pit bulls. Had, you know, it, it, you know, I don't know, it, it killed a woman and it, it spread her bits all over the street. And, like, right next to it was a banner ad, like, adopt a dog today, won't you? From the Humane Society. So those are all kind of, uh, with the, uh, what with the electronic media expanding by the day, sir, those things happen more and more frequently. You, you know, I, I did see a Viagra ad next to the Larry Craig story a couple months ago. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. And there you go. All right, here's Tim Riley. Yeah, we don't have a panel of experts getting together choosing the PSAs that we know are going to run five minutes ahead of time. No, no, we We'd do like not. to have that kind of time, but we just don't. We just don't. So when in doubt, we always run that thing about the lost camp magnet. Mm-hmm. Uh, 19-year-old Pasco Matt is in jail after a police dog sniffed him out in a doghouse. But a man called police to report that his car had been stolen. Officers around the city began searching for it. They spotted it once and tried to stop it, but the driver accelerated and got away. Eventually, he ditched the car and took off. Officers from five agencies staged themselves in the area, and Pasco's K-9 unit was called in to help with the search. Well, a police dog found Francisco Montavo hiding in a doghouse. He's been booked into the Benton County Jail for investigation of looting a police vehicle in first-degree theft. Thank you for not saying. Did you, did you say that one man is really in the doghouse after being found really in the doghouse? I wouldn't say such a thing. Thank you. All right, let us take a break. We come back. More news. Uh, Mr. Skin, James Roop, will join us today. Uh, coming up later on, we'll talk a bit about the Bridgetown Comedy Festival. And uh, I, Rick Emerson, will interview children. Yes, children. Our most precious, valuable resource. Yes. Uh, right here on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Back after this. coincidence. And I'm surprised I haven't had a thousand men email me this story. Sometimes like us will talk about, you know, and I came in today and I had 500 emails about this. I am amazed that more people, now I'm going to do it total Tom style. I'm amazed that more people did not send me this story. You are not going to believe the story I have here. You have to do it in his voice, though. I can't. I, I Unbelievable. Can't, I've, lost, I've lost the ability over time to do it. Like, I used to be able to do rushes a lot better, and I can't do it now. But he, does, he really makes you wait for it, though. This story is unbelievable. If you are easily offended, do it out now. Oh, I hate and then, running you, like a... You sit there and go, come on! Come on! When I'm it's, sitting in here, yeah. I'm like, oh, and he has the pauses, <laughs> and like the dead air alarm goes off. I'm like, he, oh, my God! That He used to pause for so long that it would trip silent sense alarms. I think, he, I think somebody mentioned to him, because he doesn't do it that long anymore, but... Um, so this really is just a coincidence. We were talking about meeting the Asian woman of your dreams earlier via one of our fine sponsors. Um, 
So somebody sent this to me. The uh, This is from uh, Tokyo. A Japanese... Pi- this is a true story, by the way. This is, I'm not making this up. This is from the Associated Press. Uh, I got it from Yahoo News, but it's from the Associated Press. Dayline Tokyo. A Japanese pinup model says that her... Large breasts have not only boosted her career, they have helped her overturn a court verdict. The bikini model, Serena Kozakura, was cleared after a court decided was cleared after a court decided she was too well endowed to squeeze into a room through a hole which she had previously been convicted of. The case was splashed through the Japanese media on Tuesday. Kozakura, 38, had been convicted last year of property destruction after a man said she kicked in the wooden door of his room and crawled inside because he was with another woman. In her appeal, her defense team held up a plate showing the size of the hole and said that she could not have squeezed through the hole because her breasts were too large. Her breasts were too large. There you go. Uh, I believe that's Jim Roop, by the way, right there. So we'll get uh, Roop here in just a... We had him at 45. Okay, I thought maybe it was a National Enquirer person. They say that she could not have squeezed her body through the opening because of her 110-centimeter bust. And there's a photo of her. Her name is Serena Kozakura. So there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, the Twerk and Emerson Show from Los Angeles. I hope this is Jim Roop. James Roop, hello, sir. Hi. How are you, brother? <laughs> Fine. Uh, is something, uh, you have something in your throat? No, I just, you know, you know, wh- wh- when, I call your, when I call your station, sometimes I just go right to hold. And you never really know what you're going to hear. <laughs> All I heard was, you know, the phone stopped ringing, obviously it picked up. Her breasts were too large. I I feel especially bad for Lisa Desjardins when we talked to her because she was right on hold, and it does seem like we're talking. To, when Lisa's on hold, we're always talking about something horrible. You know, it'll be something. I don't think you're talking about anything horrible. Something vile and horrific. No, this this is actually pretty interesting. Um, it, because anyways, this Japanese pinup model, and I guess I guess basically the thing is she had been convicted of. Kicking, she, I, I guess the deal is they claimed that her boyfriend was humping some other girl, and she found out about it, and destroyed his hotel room by squeezing through a hole in the wall, getting into his hotel room, and trashing the place because she was pissed off he was with somebody else. And she had been convicted, but then on appeal, the defense showed the hole like they had made a, like a casting of the hole, and then they and then they showed her breasts to the court and said, no, 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 her breasts are so large she could never have gotten through this hole. <laughs> What a defense. I mean, really, honestly. And, of course, what did I do? Because I'm a guy. No, no, no. In the interest of journalism, I have to see more photos. So I uh, so I went to so I went to some website that's like a fan site for her. And I do have to say, it uh, it does seem like a plausible defense, Jim Roop. So uh, there you go. The beautiful thing. More power to her. God love her. Uh, all right. How's your, how's your life, uh, brother? How are things? Uh, life's good. 
All right, so we got, uh, speaking of bosoms, uh, so I totally forgot that Anna Nicole Smith even existed. I have, I had totally put that into the deep storage of my mind, uh, and had just sort of forgotten about it. Uh, but I guess now they're saying, what, theoretically, that her kid, the Daniel Lynn or whatever, is going to get the, but, they, but they're not even any money to get right now because they're still fighting with Howard Marshall's estate. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, well, yeah, that's the thing. Um, the judge said, yeah, she's the sole heir because Danny Lynn was not named in the will, but there was a, a something written in the will saying, you know, if there's children later than Danny, who died in 2006, then uh, they will share the assets. So I guess there was some weirdness going on with that will because the verbiage wasn't exactly right, and the judge just said, no, that's Danny Lynn is the sole heir of that estate. Now, both Larry Burkhead and Howard K. Stern are executors of that, Jesus. Of that uh, or trustees, rather, of the um, of the trust that the judge also set up. It's a very strange relationship that's going on here. But be that as it may, she could inherit, I don't know, half a billion dollars or something if uh, if there's... You know this J. Marsh, uh, J. Howard family. Marshall. Thing. Well, they got to give the uh, they got to give those guys a reality show. Burkhead and Stern have got to be given like an odd couple uh, television program. You know what I mean? I'd watch that. Oh man, they are the oddest of. It'd the be make it like a My Two Dads kind of a thing, where it's Larry Burkhead and Howard K. Stern having to raise the baby and fighting over the money. <laughs> I mean, right there, it's a sitcom slash reality show in the offing. It's just nutty. I mean, how much her her life continues to be weird after her life, even after death. Yeah. Uh, a couple things. Uh, we'll get to a, a serious story here in just a second. Have you seen the cover of this month's Rolling Stone? No. Check it out. I know that it's a useless magazine at this point. Check out the cover of this month's Rolling Stone, the Britney picture on the front. It's a pretty great cover. It is a full cover, black and white shot of just her face, and then it just says an American tragedy across the front. And it's interesting because it's a pretty beautiful photo in a weird way, and also because you can tell it's the photo that they prepped for when she eventually dies, and they just got sick of waiting and ran it. Wow. It, it does very. Mu it looks very obviously to me like something that was prepared to be run after her death. Um. Uh, well, anyway, on kind of a downer note, so I guess uh, we, there is now, I don't know to what extent you've heard this, but we have a little bit of breaking news from Tim Riley. I don't have the sounder. Tim, do you have the, uh, the, the story there? Okay, Patrick Swayze has been diagnosed with terminal cancer and might have only weeks to live. Now, we first broke this as an Inquirer story, but this has been confirmed by a rep for the star. The 55-year-old star's publicist has confirmed that he's suffering from pancreatic cancer, which could tragically bring down the curtain on his remarkable, diverse career. Patrick was diagnosed with the cancer more than a month ago. The average life expectancy is six to nine months, with only 4% of patients living more than five years. Jesus. So once again, this first came out as an Inquirer story this morning. It has been confirmed by the star's publicist. Patrick Swayze is 55 years old. God damn. And, that, and I mean, you don't... It, it's weird... Because I don't really know much about how the human body works, but it's weird that they... When did they diagnose it? Last month? Yes. So they diagnosed it last month, and they're already saying, well, look, we just found it, but by the way, you're going to be dead in 60 days. I mean, that's just... A, it's a, it just sucks. I mean, it. it's not like it sucks more because... You have time to pack. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it sucks more because it's him, but it just one, it's one of those things you just don't... You know, as much as we poke fun at Patrick Swayze, you just, you just don't think about uh, guys like that. Like, you know, a celebrity or somebody you know in the, in the movies or whatever... You sort of forget that, like, their life is going on when you're not looking. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And, you know, he does movies and he does whatever, but it's just, you know, that even when you're looking away, uh, his clock is still ticking. Uh, and it's got to be uniquely strange to go to a doctor and to have him basically tell you uh, that, you know, like in 90 days, you're not going to be here. 
It was just weird. Yeah, that's so, crazy. Uh, all right. Well, in any event, sorry to end on a big downer there, but so no, I guess that's too bad. I mean, you know, he did have a couple of good movies. Roadhouse was a good movie. Roadhouse. You know what? As much as as much as people poke fun at that guy, he was in some movies that have really, did, especially for guys all of my age. For ghosts. Totally. And chicks love him for ghosts. He was in, uh, and then of course he was in, uh, he was in Roadhouse. Foo, thanks for everything. He was, and he was, he was also in Red Dawn. Let us yeah, not forget. Red for, Dawn. That's right. Red yes. Dawn, the baby. Wolverines. And, well done. Thank you. Well done. Uh, and, of course, uh, a small but uh, interesting part in Donnie Darko, which is loved by many people. Yeah. So, anyway, all right. Well, we've been tracking that today, and I guess it's been confirmed. So, all right, brother, you on tomorrow? Oh, yeah. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. We will have uh, speaks with you soon, sir. Thank you, sir. All right, there you go. Thank you. Uh, Richie, I think we have to talk to Mr. Skin here, too. We're running late on that. And we should probably get Mr. Sp- Skin spoken to uh, before the children come into the studio. By the way, speaking of breath, and the comedians and the uh, so, are we talking to? I'm sorry, I'm gonna keep it positive. I'm just no, no, no. The only reason I ask is uh, sometimes when you get X number of people in a studio, it's the number of people it becomes a little uh, chaotic. That's exactly what I was saying. That's what I was telling um, Andy, what the guy who's directing, and he's just like, "How can I bring in 27 comedians?" That's... I'm like, I'm like, you know. It's best for you. It's in your best interest, especially. I'm like, I understand these people are funny. You want to share them, but it's like the best interest of the of the event that you're trying to create is to have less chaos in the studio exactly. so that you can get all the information out. That's my thing. Is there's only so many microphones in the studio, so I want to make sure that it sounds, you know, because otherwise it can be. It's gonna sound. And bad you know how though. comedians are. You get them in front of a microphone, and suddenly it's just suddenly the spigot is on. Uh, by the way, this email says Rick, 110 centimeters is 44 inches. Just so you know, a 44 inch, but that's not that can't be real. Uh, when they say she has a 44-inch bust line, that is because I hate to re- reopen this conversation all the time, but that's not that's underneath unless they measure it differently in Japan. Well, I mean, they measure when you're like fitted for a bra, they measure different areas. So is it underneath. around the front or is it underneath? It's around the front and underneath. Well, all right then. Well, clearly I have to do more investigating. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from MrSkin.com. Mr. Skin, hello, sir. How are you, brother? Hey, Rick. How's it going? Uh, things are uh, things are good. Sorry for uh, grabbing you uh, a little late today. What's up in the world of skin? Well, I wanted to mention, first of all, there's a uh, movie opening in theaters uh, called Penelope this weekend starring uh, Christina Ricci. Ooh. And I wanted to point out that she is not uh, naked in this, unfortunately, oh. but... Uh, don't worry if you go to MrSkin.com, you could see her nude five different times in Black Snake Moan, a, a movie that won an Anatomy Award this year too. I might add. And she was she nude in Prozac Nation. Yes, very good. I, I, you know, you know your nudity, Rick. I do. Because that was pre-boob job nudity from her, but uh, it's been about uh, six years. She did that in one. And now, uh, six years later, naked in black snake moan. But uh... by the way, I do have to thank you for. Was that a cashback? That oh, movie? did you see Keely Hazel? Uh, yes, I yes I did. Uh, it, on my own time, off CBS property. Yes, <laughs> of I, course. Of I did course. peruse that, and she uh, that really is uh, something uh, exceptional. Uh, yeah, there, there, it was one of the great uh, nude scenes in a long really time. Really, it was. So anyway, um, yeah. So no nudity from her and Penelope, but uh, check her out in Black Snake Moan, or as Rick suggests, uh, Prozac Nation, which happens by the way in the first three minutes of Prozac Nation. So. Uh, also, uh, Natalie Portman, if you're a fan of hers, has a couple of DVDs that came out this week. Um, Goya's Ghosts, where she has uh, nudity. It's um, some brief butt shots. And Hotel Chabayet, which is a, a 13-minute movie short as part of the Darjeeling Limited, which is new on DVD, uh, where she shows whole butt in that. So very exciting. I know a lot of guys are fans of Natalie Portman from Star Wars. Two movies this week where you could see her. 
uh, naked. I, I guess it's a double shot of espresso, if you will. So good nudity <laughs> from uh, Natalie Portman. And uh, finally, I know lots of guys are fans of Pirates of the Caribbean's Kira Knightley. She's a, a gorgeous UK babe. But, Indeed. Uh, Smaller, much smaller chested than Akili Hazel, but uh, 35 minutes into the movie Silk, which is new on DVD this week, you can see Kiera uh, topless in that. Her fourth movie already, and she's only like 22 or 3. The, the UK girls are different than the American actresses, but uh, a lot of guys are big fans of Kiera Knightley. Check her out nude in Silk, a new release DVD this week. And Excellent. she's also in The Hole. I remember yep. seeing her topless in The Hole. There you go. That was her the first hole. movie for nudity. Uh, all right. As always, sir, you're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> yes, thank you very thank much. Thank you, brother. All right. Take Mr. Care. Skin. Fantastic. The Whole yes, The ass. Hole is the, the whole butt. It is the most terribly, wonderfully awful movie yeah, ever. And it has your girl in it that you like, the one from uh, American Beauty. Thora Birch? Yes. You know, I was just thinking about this. she's a naughty schoolgirl in it. Of course she is. You know, Ellen Page is the new Thora Birch. No, Ellen Page is a lot more talented and cute than, than Thora Birch. Don't you say that about my Thora Birch. I just don't see it. I don't see it. Yeah. I've never seen it in the Thora Birch. you got to look through my glasses, Sarah. Look through. Look, you know what? I, I don't see what it is about some of the guys you're into. Ladies and, ladies and gentlemen, here's Tim Riley with some more uh, news for you. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So a couple of retiring this year will need about $225,000 in savings just to cover medical costs. Now, the figure is calculated for a couple age 65. It is up 4.7% from the 2007 figure of $215,000. Why on earth would anybody want to live? And where <laughs> Where they find $225,000 just to cover medical costs? Now, this is out of pocket. I I, mean, I don't know. I mean, really, it it, it is, a, it, it is a, one of those things one tries not to think about. Uh, the first study showed in 2002 that you needed $160,000 in savings to fund medical costs in retirement. Jesus. Uh, the study blames rising health costs this year on higher unit costs. For example, the cost of a doctor's visit... Higher utilization rates, health care services, rising costs associated with new technology, and a general screwing of the American public. <laughs> that really, that's where 98%, that's your problem right here. You got this screwing going on. Jesus. Well, I said I was I'm going to the dentist next week, and I know that's a minor thing. That's not like it's life-saving surgery. But if they if they look at me and go, no, 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 these have all got to come out. Like, I don't even want to think about how much it's going to cost. Maybe they'll give you some porcelain. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this. So... Here's a dumb question. If you have porcelain teeth, do you have to brush them? I mean, yes, I know do. you would for term, in purpose, for purposes of hygiene and breath, but in term, you, they can't get cavities, though, can they? No. So theoretically speaking, if you didn't mind having foul breath, you wouldn't have to brush. Well, you should because you want your gums to be healthy yeah, as well. I mean, oh, that's gums, true. You get gingivitis. And, yeah. That's yeah. true. All yeah, right. Because they, they go right down to the gum line. All right. Okay, no, fair enough. All right. And you want healthy teeth, don't you? No, I do. I, I do. I don't have them, probably, but I do want them. Well, Pasco is ready for swimming pool updates. Pasco council members have a plan to update their aging swimming pools. And uh, according to the uh, the Pasco Bugle, whatever the newspaper says, they're glad to see they're taking action to bring more water to more people. Uh, this includes the updating of the 50-year-old memorial pool, opening a new pool with lap swimming, zero-death entry, and lazy rivers and a slide. I don't understand any of these terms. Well, the population of Pasco continues to grow, and its facilities continue to age, and there's no denying that swimming opportunities in Pasco are woefully inadequate. The more you know. Uh, let's see. Here's Judith, who wants to talk about something. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, wow, right through. This is Dennis again. I'm sorry to give you a little heads up. Uh, my whole grill has been knocked out through years of... 
uh, not really wearing the right protective gear. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, all my teeth are porcelain. I don't know if you know that. But uh, the nice thing about them is they don't go gray. So you can just abuse your teeth in all kinds of ways. Yeah, but I do brush my teeth because my wife doesn't like it if my breath smells. Okay. Thank you. There you go. That's dead. Why did it say Judith? All right. Thank you. Why did it say Judith? And then I picked it up and it was Dennis. Maybe this is Judith. That's like just opening your advent calendar and a spider comes out. No offense. Hi, oh. you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's, is this about Patrick Swayze? Yeah, I was trying to merit a too soon founder, but you probably don't have that one. I was wondering Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's stop here. Now, I want you to think this through. I want you to ponder whether you really want to say something about Patrick Swayze. However, oh, I yeah, don't you're not, it. No, you're not pondering. All right. I want you to think. Think some more. Keep thinking. Don't stop thinking yet. All right. Now, do you really want to make an observation about Patrick Swayze? Not Patrick Swayze per se, but it was to be an attempt at a Patrick Swayze too soon moment. But it's an incomplete joke. The best I could come up with would be to try and cram the word pancreas uh, with uh, She's Like the Wind lyric and sort of a pun. No, that's, no that's a terrible no, idea. Yeah, that's an awful idea. May, may no, I ask that's you briefly, a... do, do you remember the Mighty Dog dog food commercials? No. No. Where, where, where they, would, they would brand the wet dog food? No. Mm. You don't? No. All right. All right. Thank you. Bye. Do we have any turkey buzzard calls by any chance? I would love to talk about the turkey buzzard. Somebody has noted uh, this. Now, this now here, this is interesting, actually, and then we'll take a break here in a few. Uh, this says, uh, Rick, uh, I don't want to st- suggest a Roadhouse curse or anything, but it is worth noting that Jeff Healy from Roadhouse just died two days ago. So there you go. Sam Elliott, be watching the skies. Uh, let's do one more, and then we will uh, take a break here. Well, residents of a small French village face severe punishment if they die. You sound like Orson Welles just now. Residents in this small French village pick peas every winter. That's according to a new ordinance posted by the village mayor. The ordinance says any person without a plot in the local cemetery is forbidden from dying in the parish. It also said offenders will be severely punished. The mayor said the ordinance had been posted because there's no room left in the village's overcrowded cemetery. In January, a nearby town court ruled against the village acquiring private land to extend its cemetery. Okay. That was one story you asked for. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, that's true. Is it, that adequate? No, it just sort of was there, and now it's done. Right. Uh, but uh, see, now Richie is... Okay, I know we have to take a break here in a second, then we'll come back, and I will speak to some of America's young people. Uh, before we uh, do that, though, I have to... Uh, it's called Sex Panther. Oh, Richie. Odia. Oh God! Now I'm wondering what's in that, what's in Richie's green room that you know, the girls might be exposed to right now. God only knows what he's got. I'm just Are they glad, in there with him? Glad Scotty's not there anymore. Richie Bristol. Oh, here he comes. Uh, I don't know where they are. They're around here somewhere. All right, let's welcome uh, our intrepid PA, Richie Bristol. Hello, sir. Hello. Are the uh, the girls here? Yep. And these are, one of them is uh, Susan's daughter, uh-huh. and then uh, w- one of her schoolmates, and they're going to come and make me feel shame about the woeful uh, education that I received. Girls are just as smart as boys. No, they're smarter, uh-huh. typically. Um, uh, let's see. So uh, the South, what, the, the Asian girl of your dreams thing, that guy, uh-huh. now we probably won't have a chance to talk to him today. Oh. When is sure the seminar? Busy. Do we know? Isn't when is it like Saturday? Is yeah. the seminar Saturday, Sarah? Do we know? 
I don't know. We've been playing the spot. I, I I've been out of the room though. Well, we'll listen to it. I think this that I think the seminar is this weekend. No, no, no. It was no. It was like March twenty seventh. Oh, then we got lots of time. Yeah, I it was, should yeah, go to it, it. toward the end. You should totally go to it. And then come back and tell you about it. Maybe you can be an endorser, Richie. Totally you can be a proud... You can I do, got three women on <laughs> Asian Connection. An Asian man prefers Asian women. That Hello. is... <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. I'll, I'll get me a harem. Let's... <laughs> <laughs> 30 cents a piece. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love radio. <laughs> it was too late to uh, have him do the... That was like I was going to have you ponder that, but no. Going to get me a harem. You know Richie doesn't have a filter. He it's amazing wonder. no one's ever written a touching folk song about that. <laughs> Jesus. Um, well, here's the thing. We got to, we're going to talk to these uh, these school children, uh, and then uh, and we got to these uh, the, the, uh, the guy from the, the Bridgeport Comedy Festival. So we, we will... But maybe tomorrow? Yeah. What's tomorrow? Wednesday? Thursday? the hell is tomorrow? Thursday. Thursday. So why don't we uh, talk to him and see if we can do it tomorrow. Okay. All right. Uh, do you have his contact info? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, this is the flyer. I didn't know if you had his <laughs> contact info. I need a, a flyer. Ticket, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a golden ticket, Richie. Woohoo! All right. Go away. He's really perky today. <laughs> because he's going to get him hair up, Sarah. You, wouldn't you be excited? Oh, boy. Would I ever. By the way, speaking be. of Thora Birch, we... All right. We're going to talk more an about angry, that an angry email I got from a Aaron. creepy email from Aaron describing Thora Birch's me bosoms. Too. Describing Those sex- are the ones you don't need to see see me on, Aaron. Yeah, seriously. That's that's man talk, Aaron. It's talking about the various positioning of parts of her bosoms. Yeah, that's... Maybe that's dude talk. You don't want to... All right. Thora Birch. All right. I mean, I haven't seen her lately. She might look all pecky now, but I don't know. All right. Back after this is the Rick Emerson Show. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503 Coming up later on uh, in the hour, we will talk to Andy Wood. Yes, yes. Andy Wood from the Bridgetown Comedy Festival uh, will be joining us in the studio. Uh, more of Tim Riley at the bottom of the hour. Like us at 3, Don and Mike at 7, uh, and so forth. All right, without further ado, I don't think I have an intro theme for Susan. Let's see. Susan Reynolds, CBS Radio Portland Marketing Guru. I believe you have your choice of... <laughs> I think this is... You have Holly Jolly Christmas being played backward. Or... There you go. We'll make oh, that. Oh, right. just sad. Susan Reynolds, CBS Radio, Portland Marketing Guru. Hello, and how are you today? I am well. Thank you so much. You are accompanied today by uh, some prime examples of our nation's uh, greatest natural resource, the young people, Susan. This is the future. Yes, it is. Uh, uh, Taylor Reynolds, is that last name a coincidence? I think not. All right. Uh, and also, uh, Chelsea, am I pronouncing this right? Averna? Mm-hmm. Averna? Yeah, Averna. Uh, all right. Uh, so you guys, well, first of all, I was lamenting the fact that you guys go to a school that is like exponentially greater than any school I ever went to. Because my whole thing when I was in school was they would, uh, it, I think it was just to keep us off the streets and, you know, to like, just to keep us incarcerated because then we never got to do anything good. And the only time that we ever got to do anything remotely uh, like this blue ink program that you guys are doing, they just stuck us all in a bus and they just sent us across the town to the vocational center with all the hoodlums and the teen moms. And so... Oh. I mean, you may have such a place. Do they have that in schools now? Do they have an alternative school? They do. Do they threaten to send you there? 
I've never been threatened. I mean, not like you personally, but I mean, if you're if you're a troublemaker, today, you're going to go to the alternative school. I don't think so. Really? No. What are they threatened to do to kids who are just chronic troublemakers now? What is the big... Is they... it like expelling? Let yeah, me ask like you this. I have, play, I have yeah. four questions to ask. One, so they don't they don't threaten uh, bad kids with alternative school. No. Do they, do they say this? Do they say, this is going on your permanent record? Sometimes. I've heard it. Okay, here's the thing. There is no permanent record. Just so you know. Like between you and I. Permanent record? It's a fiction. It's total BS. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's made up. <laughs> Time out on the field. Three. Uh, Susan, it's my trademark irreverence. Uh, you knew that you this know. would happen coming uh, in. You're you right. You can't play. You, you, no. Yeah, you can't plead ignorance. I asked for this. Uh, I had a third thing, but I can't remember what it is. Good. So, <laughs> so the Blue Ink program, so this is where they take, uh, and you guys are in what grade? Eighth. All right. So they, they take it and they break it up into groups of what, like 15? Uh, and then you form a business or a corporation or a company? Corporation, yeah, that's what it's called. All right, and so do you guys get to choose what the corporation does? Um. Well, I think, like, everyone kind of brainstorms together, and the, there's a president and vice president, but everyone kind of contributes to see what, like, kind of product they're going to make. So this is like The Apprentice with uh, with eighth graders? There's no, you're fired. Really? No, you see, so you can't, because now you guys have started a newspaper, right? Yeah. The Blue Ink Times. And Taylor, you are the feature editor, and then Chelsea Averna is the uh, electronic news team manager. Let me say now to you, Chelsea, I don't know what that is or what it means. <laughs> I'm reading it off a piece of paper, and I have no idea. Please do explain. Uh, well, basically, I produce all of the commercial ads for all of the corporations and also, we go around and take, like, walk-in polls. Like, we'll poll people and be like, hey, so what's your favorite movie candy this week? Mm -hmm. And then we put them on our news program, JNN. And and is, J is that like an in-school, uh, what is JNN? Is that like a television news thing? Yeah, it's like a, we watch it, like, every morning, and it has, like, the Pledge of Allegiance, and they have, like, the school news on it. And I got completely gypped. I didn't have any of these things. Yeah, yeah we cool. didn't have that either. It really is. Sarah, did you have anything like that? Nope. No. Not a damn thing. No, you know what I got? I got, like, the mimeograph thing that says, like, today you have the choice of spaghetti or fish sticks. And you would smell it right when it came. And that was totally <laughs> smelled like Elmer's glue. That's what I got. Uh, so you guys, so I have to ask you this, uh, now, Taylor, as feature editor of the, of the Blue Ink Times, you can't fire people? No, I'm not allowed to fire anyone. Can you, can you punish people who wrong you or displease you in any way? Not that I'm aware of. Really? I don't think so. No. Well, okay. What do you do to get them to... If someone's just, like, messing up, like, if you, get, if you send a reporter out to... Uh, to, to report on something, to gather news, and they're just, like, not getting it done. They're slacking. Uh, I think the president, the editor-in-chief, um, takes care of that because I'm not quite sure what to do. So if there's that. a big scandal on the playground or something, and you're sending a, a reporter out to cover the story. And, and they uh, come back with nothing. They come back with bupkis. <laughs> then uh, you just, okay, so you keep your hands clean. You then pass the punishment on to somebody oh, else. Oh, yeah. I, yes. All right. Here's, I want you to learn the power of shame. Here's the thing. If somebody, if somebody displeases you at your corporation... Just do this. Get them across the desk from you and just give them a long, unbroken stare. And just do this. Just make a, make unbroken eye contact if you suspect them of something and just go, is there anything you'd like to tell me? <laughs> and then just stare and don't look away. And eventually they'll just begin weeping like children. It's it really, that is, that's the way to productivity. That's how they do it all here. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So uh, anyway, so what is, so? Uh, well, let's start with the newspaper. So what is the hardest thing about putting out a newspaper? Because I have to tell you, I have. I spent zero hours of my life ever working in a newspaper. This is my only skill. So what is the hardest part about putting out a newspaper? Well, the hardest part is getting the stories done because it has to go through like three process, like three times to edit. 
you have to edit it three times at least. Sometimes they have mistakes and sometimes they don't. So it's probably like getting a good story out. Now, what are the uh, what are the most common mistakes that you see? Is it the people who they just don't know how to use uh, the semicolons or is it uh, they get their facts wrong? Or? It's definitely like sometimes capitalization and like a lot of people type the instead of they. So that's, oh typos. Do you see yeah. a lot of like your and your? Or like there and there problems? Well, not in the final copy, but before I put it out, yeah. All right, so do you catch those? Are you the last line of defense? Uh, no, I'm like the first line of defense. Excellent. So you weed out 80, 80 90, 95% of the problems. Yes, I do. All right, because really electronic, like Microsoft Word spell check, it's made people incredibly dumb in some ways. So it's good that you're there. Mm-hmm. All right, Chelsea, hardest part of your job, go. Probably <laughs> going out and getting all the corporations to cooperate with us. Um, they usually... They're not very nice sometimes. Oh, <laughs> scandal. <laughs> Please tell. Do tell. Well, like, we'll go to a corporation. They'll be like, well, wh- what am I getting for this? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and then they... <laughs> oh, that's, it sounds they just give like us working little, here. little glares, and yeah. then they'll be like, wait, can I have my money back? Okay. Oh. Now, can I tell you this? You're perfect for radio sales. There, there's probably a cubicle waiting for you upstairs. <laughs> really, honestly. Just there... another, I need my money back now. <laughs> we saw the sales manager, and he was asking him, what are you girls doing here, and would you like Seriously. a job? What, uh, what are some of the um, corporations that we have going at, at Blue Ink? Uh, well, we have... Basically, they sell anything from string bags to blankets. There's a lot of different products, and the prices are like range from like fifty cents to like sixteen bucks. Now, do you, now is all of this like if you're selling a physical uh, good, like a bag or something? Now, does that have to be made? Like, do, do you have to make it all yourself, and the corporations have to make it from scratch? Uh, yeah, people. There are people in the classroom sewing and tying knots and doing everything. <laughs> uh, you were telling me about a neck warmer, something. Yeah. What is this now? Uh, it's like I'm not quite sure it's in it. It's like one of those like it's like a pillow with seeds in it. There's like rice. Dude, in Dude, no, no, no. I know oh, those. Yeah. Things. Those things are fantastic. You put it in the microwave. Yeah, you put it. It's got barley in it. Oh. That's. I think I saw one of those at Saturday Market. It's like got barley and lavender or something. Well, but they they tried to do that, but I think they got their smells wrong. They smell like burnt oatmeal or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Excellent. And how much are those going for? Um, well, the neck things are, like, really long little bags, and they're, like, I think two for 13. Yeah, I would think that they would be marked down at this point if they, it's like, we call this Pint of Lavatory. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, that's when it becomes, uh, I, I want you guys to learn a term called buyer's market uh-huh. at that point. So, uh, now is, I hate to ask this, but now I am, I'm a blood, now are any of the, uh, you don't have to name names, now are any of the corporations just flat out eating it? Are they anybody just full on failing? <laughs> There's, there's a lot of them that really? are doing so well, yeah. What would you say the failure rate is? Like, uh, are half of them doing well? I think probably like a fourth are doing not very good. Well, so. see, and I hate to sound like I'm just mouthing cliches, but see, sometimes it is uh, those things that go poorly from which you learn the most. Is it not, Susan? We have seen the commercials for the Dyson uh, uh, vacuum cleaner, and he talks about how many times they have to make one before they get it right. Absolutely. So, yeah. and yeah. then you learn you learn how not to what, how not to mangle it next time. Now, are you guys competing <laughs> for something? Is this at the end? I mean, the corporations at the end of this all, you got to get together and compare your bankroll and see who made the most. Um, not really. We're all just kind of earning blue money, which is like our currency in Blue Hall. And then at the end, we're, we're going to have an auction, and you can auction your blue money. Excellent. So that's so, kind of it. Now, is there going to be some? Uh, is, is there going to be a, a sort of a, a like a, an event, like a like a market night, where everybody sort of gets to come and, and see what's going on and sort of track all of this stuff? Uh, yeah, that market night is on March seventh. So it's tomorrow, I think. Thursday, yeah. yeah. <laughs> tomorrow, Thursday. Um, it's from 6.30 to 8. It's at Stoller, obviously. And basically, 
everyone has the we all constructed booths and they're all like special and there's streamers hanging everywhere in the main hall and you come in and everyone has like their prices on their booths and then you can go and buy stuff but when you go you go to order you basically order things pre-order and then the, they give you a receipt and you should get your orders either if not the next day like maybe in within that week and they'll produce them and they'll give them to I think if you have a kid in their homeroom look them to I don't know how that works but so having done this now does this make you a uh... Does this make you dread uh, the real world, business world, uh, more or less? Way more. <laughs> Excellent. Hold on to that dread. Yeah, really. So, Rick, if you would like a stinky neck pillow, I'm Who sure doesn't? I can get one. For you. Sounds like they're going to be collector's items. <laughs> and and you may, and there's money to be made by oh, yeah. you guys, yes? Yeah. And then you're giving it to what to uh, to charity? Charities, or? yeah. The charities are there's a bunch of cancer kind of charities. The Humane like, Society. Yeah. So really, this uh, you are you are putting in lots of work, and at the end of the day, the money goes elsewhere. It is exactly like the real world so there you go you're you're, you're set um did, i have to ask this really quickly because uh, susan and i were talking about this that uh, you guys have got a radio station at your high school we do middle, middle school, school. You're, i'm sorry you're high school you're middle school and it's now do you all did do you now do you listen to it well you can only get it in the parking lot <laughs> i think i worked at that station <laughs> yeah, it's kind of pathetic. I've driven by. I, I've driven by the school, and I thought, "Oh, let me quickly try to get the station." And you can get it for about the length of the parking lot, and then yeah. fall up, yeah. boy. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Not even. I mean, you don't even get fall. Yes, <laughs> that's what you get. All right, yeah. excellent. But you, yeah. All right. Final thoughts, observations, Susan. Anyone? We have also we have a website for the Blue Ink Media. Of course you do. Uh, what is the website? www.blueinktimes.com. And, and is this the newspaper? Yeah, uh, it's the whole media. The whole thing? Okay. And it's INC, Inc. You know, not INC. INC is yeah. incorporated. Yeah. Blueinktimes.com? Mm-hmm. Excellent. I'm and it's a pretty nice-looking website, uh, you know, so. Yeah. Fantastic. Excellent. All right, Taylor and Chelsea, congratulations, and the uh, best you. of continued success as you uh, plunge on into the, uh, now, to the world of business. Now, did you want to... Uh, Say any last thing, like something about how you Baba Booey got to get. No, that's not what <laughs> I was going to say. Just I was going to. They were they were wanting to thank you for getting them out of school for yeah. about an hour. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, what would you let me ask you? What would you be taking right now if you were back at school? What class would you be in? Oh, we'd be yeah doing the bluing. Oh, really? Okay, so I'm not so I'm not getting you out of anything. Like I'm not getting you out of. Whatever. No, it's sixth graders are going wild with their bosses gone right now. Oh, that's uh, that's oh. true. So you're going to get back and it's just going to be chaos. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm mean, seriously. Don't. Here's the thing. You find one person and you make an example of them publicly. That's the thing. In the presence of others. All right. This All right. is not the sort of advice Susan wanted me to give. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, the website is Blue Ink with a C Times Blue Ink Times. Uh, dot com. So thank you guys for coming in. Thank oh, you, Susan. Well. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. All right, we'll take a break here. Back after this with Andy from the Bridgetown Comedy Festival. Uh, more from Tim Riley. Uh, like us at 3, Don, and Mike at 7. Stay there! Ladies and gents, this is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Uh, I do believe that tomorrow, uh, tomorrow when we are Richie-less, by the way, 
Uh, Richie is gone tomorrow. Uh, but uh, he has, I believe, as his final uh, bit of business today, he's going to book Stu, uh, what's his guts, from Meet the Woman, the Asian Woman of Your Dreams. The guy, the uh, South Sea... Seas? Sea. South Sea Connections, <laughs> who are not an escort service. They are not, They no. are not. It says right they here. They help you find love. Underlined. Life partners. Life. <laughs> He's on for tomorrow. Is he coming? Is this a phone or Richie or is he in the studio? Which one do we? Which do we want? Studio. Studio. You think? Richie, is this on the phone or It'll in the studio? It'll be incredibly awkward and awesome. Let's say studio, Richie. Fantastic. And then we can put Richie on the spot and say that he's interested in it. <gasps> yeah, because I'm sure Richie will be really someone spoil ladies. <laughs> Richie wants a harem. What's the best way to? What's the best way to <laughs> accomplish that? that? <laughs> All right. Speaking of fantastic. And now from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Some very sad news. This has reached the mainstream media. First, the Inquirer came out with it. Once again, the Inquirer did scoop the rest of the world. And a rep confirms that Patrick Swayze does have cancer. He's been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. The Inquirer broke the story this morning, citing an insider. And the Post says Swayze's publicist acknowledged the diagnosis was made over a month ago. Mm. Uh, the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, oof, just saying words like that gives me the shivers, claims the average life expectancy for patients whose cancer has spread to other organs, is three to six months. God. It is also the third leading cause of death for men, 40 to 59. The third leading cause of death? For ages 40 to 59. Wow. Jesus. That's a little freaky. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's just nothing you could, I, I mean, I'm just going to keep repeating the same thing, I guess, yeah. if I talk, which is just that it's, it's just, it's just so weird to ponder it when someone says that like in 60 days you will not be here mm-hmm. i mean it's just it's you can't even wrap your mind around it and men ages 40 to 59 god damn can get this jesus uh, is that a is that a genetic thing or is it just luck of the draw it, it, it all depends really i like, guess like everything else if you grow up on a landfill probably or maybe yeah. your parents you know it's hard to say really yeah. they just can't put it down all right but if your family you know there's a history of it in your family you should get it detected as soon as possible uh, Swayze's film credits include Dirty Dancing, Ghost, Roadhouse, and Point Break. So that's, that's very sad. Well, you know, Tim, our health care system in this country is flawless. Yeah. Need, we don't need socialism here. No, not no, at of all. Of course not. We don't, our health care system is just fine right now. Uh, police have found more than 40 pounds of cocaine in a traffic stop near Woodburn. Go figure. The OSP stopped a car speeding at an unsafe lane change at I-5 around noontime. Trooper said the driver, 25-year-old Savas Rio Ruiz, gave them permission to search his car. Well, he thought they had nothing to hide. But apparently, with a dog-sniffing canine, they found 44 pounds of cocaine. His name is what? His name is Savas Rios Ruiz. I'd just like to hear you roll the R. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, he found 44 pounds of cocaine in a hidden compartment and arrested Ruiz for drug possession, distribution, and conspiracy. His bail, $2 million. State and local agencies continue to investigate after two major cocaine seizures over the past month. I got two things to say about this. One, I-5 is considered drug alley. Is it really? Mm-hmm. How proud they must be. Is there a sign? Yeah. <laughs> America's <laughs> drug highway. <laughs> I-5. It's right next to Diagon Alley. Welcome, I'm picturing Ricardo Montalban. Welcome to Drug Alley. Uh, I got three things to say, I guess. Uh, one is seizure. I barely knew her. The other one is this. Uh, well, I don't remember that one. The third one is this. Never give people permission. I can't believe we gave you advice to criminals. Okay, but don't give them permission to search your car. 
What kind of jacket? Can I search your car? Sure. I mean, how would you not remember there's 44 pounds of cocaine hidden somewhere? So, uh, as Jay-Z said, uh, uh, you know, uh, the glove box is locked, so is the trunk and back. I know my rights. You're going to need a warrant for that. Don't let Jay-Z them... taught me that as well. Really? It's true. Don't uh-huh. let a man search your car. And thirdly, here's the other thing I was going to say. Here's If I were a drug kingpin, not that I am, but I'm saying theoretically speaking, if I were going to be a pink kingpin, you got some guy out there ferrying your cocaine. You know what you do? You spend about 40 bucks, and you have the car altered so that it can't speed. Can't, period. What top speed in the car? 55 miles an hour. That's it. Uh, and, and you install redundant brake lights because that's what always gets these jackasses pulled over. Yes. You know, just driving along, changing a lane without signaling or some crap. Well, that's it for me for now. It's almost time for miles of smiles, isn't it? But we, but we long for more news, Tim. I'm sorry you have to tune in at the top of each hour between 4 and 7 p.m. The top of the hour all the way through Lycus. Will you be there giving more news? Oh, yes, like always. So the people have only to wait one hour between newscasts before they are graced once again by your dulcet tones. Yeah, that's about it. That's fantastic. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world, back at 4, 5, 6, and 7. Top of the hour all the way through Lycus. Richie Bristol, uh, let's now welcome uh, Andy, James, and... Michelle. Michelle. Maggie. Michelle. Michelle. Zippy. And the, the whole God conversation we had during the break was God how we can never remember people. Damn it! I just knew names. their names a second ago. Andy, James, and Shemp, Zeppo, Button Trundle. Michelle. Yeah, I've got another. Michelle. Yeah. Michelle. Yeah. All right, there you go. You said it like a hundred times. I know, and then it, it didn't. It just didn't take. Uh, my brain is <laughs> made out of so much Teflon. All right, uh, the Bridgeport Comedy Festival. Bridgetown. Bridgetown. Did I say Bridgeport? Oh, so you've been saying Bridgetown. I think you just accidentally said Bridgeport. Well, let's pretend that's the case. Mm-hmm. Bridgetown Comedy Festival coming up uh, this weekend. Right. When does it begin? Andy, go. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Poor Andy, whore. <laughs> Do it now. Theater. Dance for me. Hawthorne Boulevard, uh, four or five venues. You have three seconds left. That's it. <laughs> Bridgetown Comedy Festival. Done. Yes. And we're up. Way to sell, Andy. Well done. Uh, Tell us a little bit about, like, yeah. Bridgetown and you. That's our official uh, crooner of the. We have, uh, well, James and Michelle came in from LA for it along with about 20 other comics. We had a total of 60 here all three days. Uh, Patton Oswald's going to be out the last night, so it's going to be. Is he, uh, I don't know, the headline? Is he the guy kind of wrapping it all up? Pretty much, yeah, the 10 o'clock show Saturday. All right, and so, so uh, first of all, while we're talking about this, what is the website uh, for this? BridgetownComedyFestival.com. Bridgetown Comedy Festival. Uh, is there, uh, who else is is coming in? I mean, is it going to be all varieties, all stripes, all manner of comedian? Tons. We got people from San Francisco like Brent Weinbach. Uh, we have Howard Kramer, Eddie Pepitone. All you need to know is that me and James are going to be. That's true. Also, That's all you yes. Need to Why are we so quickly moving? <laughs> who are the big guns? <laughs> uh, Patton, of course, is the Ratatouille, the voice of Ratatouille in the Pixar film that was. Uh, Big hit this last year. Yeah, I remember him from King of Queens. And then Absolutely. I know that Rick's a big fan of King of Queens. Well. I know. Well, he's sort of like a John Stewart meets Sam Kinison kind of a thing, which is <laughs> that I, which I hadn't really, I hadn't really, I wasn't really. Uh, he was actually he, his his people called our people and. A while back, and like, hey, do you want Pat and Oswald on? I'm like, Pat, who? No, and, you know, and and then I mean, you went home like that night. Like, immediately that night, and a friend of mine was like, you got to listen to this record. It's by this guy, Pat and Oswald. And I put it on. I heard. It. I'm like, God 
freaking, you know, and so uh, in any event. And then I think he remembers because I tried to. You know, we tried to get him back on and he told us to eat it. You're that Rick. He's mentioned you before. He told us to get bent. All right. Okay, so we're going to go around the room. Michelle, James, Andy, did I get it right that time? Yes, that's right. All right. This is neuro linguistic programming in action. All right. So good reference. Neuro linguistic. Somebody's gone to a Tony Robbins seminar. It's just I Wikipedia it. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wikipedia. Uh, wait, how would you ever have heard the phrase neuro-linguistic programming even to, to seek it out for Wikipedia's sake? Uh, it's not a phrase like you I don't guess, see it in the back of a cereal box. I guess it's somewhere in, this, in, the, in the, uh, the, circ- the, the coffee clutch that I go to, and there's poets and artists. You, he learned it to drop it as a reference. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Effectively. It's difficult to, t- to talk about uh, comedy or comedians without uh, to sort of explain one's comedic style. So I'll do what they do in, in radio, which is to say what they are not. Mm-hmm. Where they go, you were the station with no rap or heavy metal. So we'll, <laughs> we'll go left to right here. So, Michelle, what kind of comedy do you not do? Um, I, I don't do black comedy. <laughs> I don't do, uh, I don't do, uh, male comedy. I don't do, um, um, I don't do, uh, um, a musical comedy. So you're not gonna, you're not gonna strum a guitar amusingly? Um, no. What about airplane food? Airplane food jokes? Um, that's actually that's the majority of my act. <laughs> it's all airplane food. Uh-huh. All, all the time. How was, yeah. how was the flight up here from uh, L.A.? How was the food on it? Um, it was it was terrible. Oh my God! I ordered a vegetarian meal, <laughs> and it was. Uh, I'm sorry, was... I pimped you out <laughs> to do an actual airline food <laughs> yeah, bit. Like, uh, that was my air. That's how it ends with me um, trailing off. Oh, I'm getting my tickets right now. Hold <laughs> on. I, can I buy those tickets in bulk? Uh-huh. Uh, all right. I don't appreciate appreciate that sarcasm. Oh, I, I do. James? Yes. Very good. Uh, neurolinguistic What will program. people not see uh, uh, when you are on stage? Uh, James Adomian does not perform under his own name, usually. Uh, James Adomian will per- be performing as characters, impressions. Um, I'll be doing George W. Bush uh, for at least some of the uh, nights, and I might be doing a Vincent Price or a... Vincent Price, really? Yes, of course. Are we talking with the fly Vincent Price or thriller Vincent Price? Welcome to my nightmare, Vincent Price. What, what kind of Vincent Price? Omega, as of course, last Vincent... man on earth, Vincent Price. <laughs> the, the abominable Doctor Five. Excellent. That's like two good references in a row from you. <laughs> Excellent. I'm a reference machine. All right. Uh, uh, yeah, just I'm, I'm doing uh, at least George Bush, and we'll see what other characters' impressions I can squeeze in while. I'm... Let me ask you this: as and now. Oh, Andy, forgive my ignorance. Now, are you are you just sort of the uh, are you? Andy, the, he's performing as well. You performing? Are you just the Malcolm well. McLaren behind the scenes? That that, that, uh, that good reference for you. What, what I do? Uh-huh. <laughs> this is this is becoming a one, like a like uh-huh. a who could it, who's the uh-huh. best reference now? Yeah, I don't know who that is, but I'm, I am that person also, <laughs> and a right. comic. And uh, I guess I avoid puns, no puns, and no. Unicorn jokes, those are hack now. So, Where, is there like now if I missed something? Was there a lot of were we up to our knees in unicorn jokes was, for a while? I think it was a trend for a while in the hipster mm-hmm. sort of uh, alternative community scene, don't you think? Yeah, I guess there was that thread on uh, the special thing website where they it was uh, the it's the dead. Trends unicorns in, are dead yeah. in hackery. Is that true? Are there websites that track what is it, like what's hot and what's not? <laughs> you could get an RSS yeah. feed with like what's yes. hacked. No, I'm, no, I really am curious about that because specialthing.com. If you want all your alt comedy inside. Comedy nerd. Okay, yeah. so let me. Oh wait, hold on. So let me. You guys can just. Uh, and by the way, we're talking the Bridgetown Comedy Festival or Fest. Either one will work as a URL. Com. Yes. Uh, which is uh, all this weekend. Um, so let me ask you uh, this, and you guys can just uh, whoever wants to answer, answer. Um, still good uh, for a, a reference in in a humor sense. Abe Vigoda. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. Not tired. Sure. No. No, I don't. I don't think so. I. I, I, I in fact, uh, that's 
all I know him for, uh, punchline. He's, he really is just that guy now. He just, yeah. he just walks out uh, and then back inside. Okay. Who is another person? Who? What is another noun? Uh, be it person, place, or thing now used primarily as a reference or punchline. <laughs> uh, were you going to say Charles Nelson Riley? No, I'm sorry. Um, one last night it was. What was I saying? Uh, Paul Lind. Paul Lind. I don't know. Is someone from a match game or uh, a seventies show of that ilk? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know. But yeah, those guys were always those guys were always like, why were you famous in the first place? Or yeah, yeah. you always just. Been... <laughs> I'm saying for me, B. Arthur, maybe. Because <laughs> you don't really, it, you know, it, it, I don't want to say only used ironically, but I mean, really, ninety percent of Ernest Borgnine's shelf use now is just for guys who go blah blah blah. Ernest Borgnine. Blah blah blah. <laughs> exactly. So always juxtaposed with like in a swimsuit or just something that doesn't make any sense. I wonder if there's a career path that you can take to towards becoming uh, a reference, or if you just have to wait for it to happen. That's it, yeah, now see, yeah. that's interesting. Does do do you are you born someone who will one day become this uh, ironic reference, or do you earn it? Okay, now see, but that's the sort of thing that I really do, and she will tell you that I wonder about this stuff is like that. And you'll wonder about like, it out loud for three hours. Yeah, like oh. like Jim Backus or something. Like I, you know, <laughs> a guy that you, you know doesn't really do anything. You just sort of pull him out of your back pocket when your annoyed references have run stale, and you just got kind of, Jim Backus. Right? <laughs> He's a millionaire, right? He's, yeah, he yes, was. Uh, right. He was in Mr. Magoo too. Yes, yeah, so, uh, All right, excellent. Uh, all right, other thoughts, observations, shilling, whoring, pimping. Oh, uh, I'm really excited to be here in Portland. It's my first time. Cool. Is it sunny out? Wait, We're kind of cold out. Is it nice outside? Uh -huh. Oh, it's gorgeous. Now yeah, is it was that two days in a row? Now is that a thing that's really true, or is that like a you guys are the best crowd we've ever had? <laughs> you'll, have, you'll have to think about that for three hours. <laughs> All right, now it's gonna bug me. Now I don't know. Yeah, so. I've always wanted to come to Portland. It's my first uh -huh. time here too, mm -hmm. and. Um, I, I, I'm glad to be here. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to, uh, it's supposed to be nice weather for the next few days. I am yeah. super happy. I yeah, can't understand. take the transition from warm to cold. So I understand it's a warm snap. Mm-hmm. It is. It's like that it's, sounds. That sounds like code for. That sounds like a euphemism for something. <laughs> Every time we say something, <laughs> I'm gonna use me some warm snap tonight. No, it's one of those. It does sound like something that a, totally. an old uncle with a steel knee would yeah. say as he hobbled up the stairs. Ever tell you about that warm snap I got yeah. after Anzio? <laughs> you you want to get a warm snap, boy? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> All right. We are the most random conglomeration of people in a room together. Right <laughs> yeah. Now. All right. So, uh, Bridgetown Comedy Festival dot com. Uh, and, and please uh, forgive my internet one more time. It begins when? It begins tomorrow. Tomorrow. That is Thursday the sixth. Uh, continues through Saturday night. And uh, if you go to the website, you can check out the schedule. Do so you buy tickets online or where tickets do you? Tickets online for will call uh, through brown, brown paper tickets. And it's for a chair. It's for the Oregon Red Cross's local disaster relief fund. So the proceeds go to a great cause. And you and buy a $20 wristband, and it's good for all of the $20 days, wristband right? gets you mm -hmm. in all the shows, all three nights. So it's for a good cause. Um, we... you, get, you get to hang out with us? Yeah, there's Certainly. like, there's like, there's mm -hmm. like what, six to ten shows every night or something like that? No, more than that. <laughs> I think there are probably more like 15 or so every night. Yeah. Wow. So All right. Perfect. Skip, Ted, Phyllis, thank you for coming in. I appreciate it. <laughs> Like our Andy James Michelle. Thank uh -huh. you so much for coming in. Thank you, guys. Uh, Thank you guys like us at 3, Donna Mike at 7. Back after this to wrap it up. So there it's the Rick Emerson radio program. It is really depressing, though. When I get cancer, I'm not going to tell any of you guys, just so you know. I'm just okay. not going to show up to work one day. One day, I'm just going to be at home slumped over on the couch. No, but there are enough listeners, you know, in every 
capacity in this town, and somebody would have to work. Somebody would work in your hospital and let us know. I suppose, but also I'm gonna do like a like a fake illness though. I'm gonna I'm gonna float uh, that I have like uh, whatever uh, consumption or something tuberculosis, and then it'll really be cancer. We have six minutes. We really we do. We never have six minutes. I know. Should we do random phone calls? Yes. All right. Can we play the Dexter theme while we pick them up? Yes. Okay. Uh, random phone call. I wish I had a... <gasps> I just have the greatest idea. What? Well, you won't think it's the greatest idea. We need a multi-sided die for the show because we have these copies of Into the Wild to give away. And I was going to do, like, one random caller, but it's like, how can I do that? All I can do is flip a coin, basically, and then that's like, we'll give it away like the second caller. We need, like, a 20-sided die, and for each call throughout the day, we'll roll it. And when it comes up on, like, 16, they'll win. Okay. That way we can spread it out over an entire day. After well, each... Don't you have one at home? No. I mean, I'm not trying to pass judgment. I don't play D&D. Okay. So... Well, then Aaron probably does. I bet he oh, let us borrow it. Do you think? <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, i got to bring a 20-sided die, and we will then use that to give away some of these things. Because uh, Lycus does that thing where he goes, you know, one random caller today will win. And I don't know how he does it. He does it all off the air, too. But with us, we'll roll a die after each call. And then, like, when it comes up as, like, whatever, like 15 or something, that person will win. Actually, that's a great... I've been laboring over how to give away CD, uh, DVDs to random callers. That's how we'll do it. Well, I mean, and Aaron's coming in on Friday, so you could just have him bring it in then. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Let's hear it for me. All right. Um, well, let us do... Uh, we won't be giving anything away for this, but let us do random calls now. If you have a random call, comment, question, observation, about uh, whatever, we'll do, we do it right here. Oh, at 503 I already got... 733 2970, yes? Laden with exclamation points. I'll bring a D20 Friday. Of course he will. Do you and Aaron instant message? No, he just sends me a constant stream of emails. All right. Can I just tell you there's this moment? Oh, oh and God damn it. God damn mother effing. So I... There's this Dexter story that we'll get to tomorrow. About there's going to be a Dexter video game. I mean, you know, whatever. The, the, the goddamn The story had a spoiler in it. <gasps> And it was, a, it, was a, it was a photo. In other words, it was like, blah, 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 are going to be making a video game based on the television show Dexter. And you know how they show a little still off to the side? Yeah. It wasn't like a still of just like Michael C. Hall's face. It was a still showing something happening in the show that, that, that I am still working my way through. And I know I inadvertently spoiled something on The Wire a couple weeks ago, but that was an accident. And I apologize for it many times. The, this, they show like a still to accompany the article, and it's a still revealing something he does. And I was just working my way up to oh, it last night. Sucks. So now I already know a, a big thing that's going to happen so in season two. this thing that's two. been building up that you've been talking about? It's a thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's part of a big story arc. And they just showed a still accompanying the art. Anyway, whatever. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick and Sarah. How are you? What's Hello. up? Um, well, with Patrick Swayze dying of cancer, did you know he was on an episode of MASH? Uh, and no. No. Well, BJ and Hawkeye had to tell him that he was dying of cancer. Oh, that's creepy. Oh. How creepy weird is that? Oh, that's totally creepy. Okay, now I have to go home and find it. Yeah, and it's I just I just saw it on the Hallmark Channel the other day, which should tell you something about how lame I am. Yeah, now I have to go so. look it up. All right, thank you. All right, bye. Bye. Uh, hi, random caller. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, what's up, Rick? What do you got? Well, did it did it seem like that girl Michelle was kind of bitchy? Uh, the comedian who was just here? Yes. I think she was just selfish. I think that sometimes comedians are, you know, they're kind of used to acting a certain way on our show and uh, on shows on our shows a little different. I think that we uh, 
are a different environment than comedians are typically used to. Let's put it that way. They're used to either being on stage. I've not chatted with her. She's, she's she seemed fine. Cool. She was nice. Yeah, she seemed nice. Uh, but I will say she seemed to be a little, uh, I don't know, just a little off, a uh, little unsure how to progress early. Because, again, uh, comedians, I think, are either on stage right. or they're on like a morning show where they can kind of just do their act. And this is yeah. sort of different. So I think comedians come on and they get a little, uh, you know, off off balance maybe. Okay. All right. Thank you. No problem. Doing random calls to the end of the show. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. Um, random call. This is a random thought I had. You know, when you were doing the NASA story about the bags and they tape them around? Yeah. How do they wipe? Oh, I didn't know, but now I don't know. But now, see, now I got to think about that. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Now yeah. I got to ponder it. All right. Hi, random caller. Hello. How are you, Rick? Hi. What's up, brother? Hey, so I called before, months ago, reading list. Where's it at? The reading list. Oh, you want the reading list online? Yeah, I, I do. Uh, Red uh, World War Z, awesome book. I mean, right. I think we're on the same page here. All right, reading list. I'm sorry I'm sorry to have let you down, sir. We'll get on that. Reading list. I'm writing it down right now. I'll put it in my Franklin planner. Fantastic. I regret nothing. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. What's going on? What's up? So um, I just want to say attention all drug traffickers. Drive the freaking speed limit. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> out. Uh, hi, Rick Emerson Show. Hey, guys. It's Mailman Brian out uh, in the Grove. What's hi, up? Uh, two things. Hey there. Um, one, first of all, the, the wiping thing. I think that it would be like when you are walking your dogs collectively and you have a bag. You kind of reach inside out. That's all right. something. But, okay. but actually, are you ready with a lot, lot of sounder for me? Sure. Early on in the show, this is a callback to the show. Tim was talking about turkey vultures. Yeah. Well, what they eat, it's carry-on, my wayward son. Bye. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we got time for maybe one more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Probably the final call. Don't suck. Okay. Uh, I'll try not to suck. Uh, I was just calling with a uh, correction. I think that was David Keith in that match episode and not uh, Patrick Swayze. That's a common mistake. Uh, does David Keith look like David uh, Patrick Swayze? Yeah, he's the guy from Firestarter. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think Patrick Swayze is a little too young to be on match, right. but I won't. I'm not 100%, but I'm pretty sure it was David Keith. All right, we'll look into it. Thank you, sir. Ah, uh, thanks. All right, there you go. That was a good call. Fine. I left, okay, David Keith. All those Keith. calls were good. They were. Well done, audience. All right. Uh... Let's see. So we want to thank uh, we want to thank Andy James and Michelle from the Bridgetown Comedy Festival. Uh, we want to thank Chelsea uh, and uh, Taylor from Stoller Middle School, as well as Susan Reynolds. We want to thank CNN Radio correspondents James Ribley, Sadez Jardin, and Mr. Skin. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970 Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley in the phones. Richie Bristol upstairs. The gatekeeper is Dave Zinn. The webmistress is Bridget. And, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Reynolds. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include... Uh, the guy, and what's his name, and Stu from South Sea Connections. Uh, like us next, down to Mike at 7. As always, thank you for listening. Don't let the best of down. I regret nothing. Ow!